what G said. 2022 Kentucky Oaks preview show. Let's make some money on Friday, Kentucky Oaks Day. Hope everyone is having a nice week. It's a big one in the world of horse racing. And on this episode, we're going to give you one of those deep dives into Kentucky Oaks Friday. I always love catching up with a bunch of different guests on Oaks Derby and Breeders' Cup weekends and those big days. That way we can get some uh, opinions. We can share some analysis with you from a a bunch of different great handicappers, gamblers, and people in the world of horse racing. And then we can pick their brain on the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby. So on this particular episode, we are going to go through Friday Churchill Downs races 1 through 11. Races 1 through 4 are not stakes races, but I'll still talk about those races with you myself, and then we'll set you up for individual interviews for each of the graded stakes races. Yes, for Friday and then for Saturday, but we're going to have a separate show for Saturday for Kentucky Derby Day. This one is all about Friday Oaks Day, leading things off, talking about race number five, which is the grade three. Modesty is Barry Spears, the sniper. He's going to be joining us to kick things off. Then we get into the La Troyenne, race number six with Matt DeSantis. The seventh race, the grade two Ali Sheba is handled by Ryan Dickey from Trip Note Pros, the head honcho, Benny South Street over there, a.k.a. Ryan Flanders. You've got the grade two Edgewood taken on by uh, by Benny. He helps us out, and we dive into that one. Chappie, our good friend from Santa Anita, Jeff Chapman, talks race number nine, the grade two Eight Bells. Caitlin Free, you saw her doing great work over at Turfway Park, and she's going to be on the broadcast over at Churchill Downs now. She helps us out with the grade two turf sprint. We get some best bets with David Aragona, and we also have a little special treat for you with a couple different interviews on this episode, getting you ready for Louisiana Downs. We have opening day coming on Saturday, Kentucky Derby Day. So Martha Clausen, Helps us uh, get all set up. She gives us some nice information about the upcoming meet. We talk about some of the connections with her. And then to close things out, Roxanne Tanner from over at Louisiana Downs, horse racing ambassador over there. She gets us uh, set up, tells us about the energy and some of the things that we can look forward to at Louisiana Downs starting this weekend. So, yeah, we roll Friday. Races one through four, then Martha Clausen, Barry Spears, then Matt DeSantis, then Ryan Dickey, then Ryan Flanders, Benny South Street, then you've got Chappie, Jeff Chapman, then you got Caitlin Free, David Aragona, and Roxanne Tanner. All on this episode of That's What G Said that is presented by Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets. Give them a follow on Twitter. Check out the live stream schedule that they have. If you're a baseball fan, They've got daily quick hitter show for you every day. Different handicappers and gamblers giving out some of their best bets for those particular days. NBA fans, we have previews for playoffs. Every day that there's an NBA playoff game, we've got game previews, some of our best bets, props that we're playing. In the world of harness racing, we cover Mohawk on Mondays and on Thursdays with Mohawk Mania, early pick five previews. Uh, come hang out at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time and get all set up for that early pick five at Woodbine Mohawk. There's comedy shows like The Lineup. There are, in the, in the backdoor cover, football fans. If you're a fan of soccer, pitches and pints every weekend on the morning, uh, on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. Everything. Everything going on in the world of sports. There's UFC shows coming soon. There are NASCAR and F1 shows coming soon. And, uh... You know, when football season comes through, we 
preview every single game over at betterthan.vegas. Okay, let's get on into Friday. Let's start talking your Friday Churchill Downs races. So let's go races one through four. I'll try to give out a couple horses in the in the early part of the card that maybe you can play in, in some of your early exotics. We kick off May the 6th at Churchill Downs with a first level allowance race going a mile and a 16th on the dirt here. I like the six, customer driven. This guy settled inside, uh, this gal settled uh, inside. She was about fifth or sixth. She was traveling pretty well, but she was in some traffic in her most recent race. That was on April the 8th. She was sort of up against the rail, and she had to back out of a, a pretty tough spot. She moved on again through the inside. She kept inside, and then she angled around, and she was getting to the runner-up. She finished third that day. That was the first start for the new barn. That was her first start in a couple months. She's shown a little versatility in all three of her races. She came from way out of it, sprinting. Then she showed a little bit more speed going along. And then she showed she can come from off the pace going along too, if need be. The number six, customer-driven, is the play for me in race number one on Friday. Let's get to race number two. One mile, one turn mile on the dirt. About the five, uh, Oma the Great. She will be making her second career start. And in her debut... She drew the rail that day, and she was a step slow. She got shuffled back to 8th and ninth. Then she moved to the inside, but she moved up into traffic. She kind of tried to shift around a little bit, and she was a bit green, but she looked like she had some ability. She ran in some spots there. She stretches out for a patient barn. Joel Rosario jumps aboard, and she gets off the rail today. She's the first foal out of an unraced dam. Uma the Great giving her a shot to show some improvement in race number two, looking at the number five, Oma the Great. In race number three, first level allowance, going a mile and an eighth on the turf course here. I thought the three Red Hornet, very good overall turf form, not really many knocks on this one. Just look the company that he has kept. And then you've got the one, you know, the entry here in QF75 who could be lone speed, so nothing too crazy or outside the box for me in the third. In the fourth race, mile and 16th, you've got a second-level allowance here for optional claimers. I looked at the combinations of the 1, 7, and 8. The Churchill Downs races are not bad at all for Compelling Smile. You, you know, what do you want to do with Juju's map here? Who's going to be making her first start of the year? She was the runner-up in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies behind Echo Zulu. I thought Illigami with the blinkers coming on got squeezed back at the start. And she was down inside. She was 10th, about seven lengths off. And she just didn't seem comfortable down there. Was traveling pretty well, though. Just seemed to have some run. Wanted to go. Just didn't like where she was. She moved off of the inside. And she closed late uh, up on the outside. Now they add the blinks. Second off the break. Expect better from Illigami. I stacked them 8-1-7 in race number four. At Churchill Downs as we move to the Grade 3 Modesty. And before we get into the Grade 3 Modesty, we will go to our interview with Martha Clausen. She's going to get us all set up for the Louisiana Downs meet that's coming up on Saturday. Opening day is Kentucky Derby Day uh, over there at Louisiana Downs. I'm going to be helping out on the broadcast and providing lots of information, handicapping insight, guest interviews for Louisiana Downs. So let's talk with Martha Clausen. Let's talk some LAD, and then we'll get into the graded stakes portion of the Friday Churchill Downs undercard. 
You've heard me talking about Louisiana Downs. We will be jumping into Louisiana Downs and providing coverage every day that they're racing. I'm going to be helping out on the simulcast week one coming up. So you'll see this uh, this face on the on the broadcast a little bit. And someone who well, I spoke with about Louisiana Downs a few months ago when I was out at Sam Houston is my good friend Martha Clausen, who always joins us to talk about Sam Houston racing. But this time we're going to talk a little bit about Louisiana Downs. So Martha, tell us a little bit about that. We always talk Sam Houston with you. I hope you're doing so well. Um, and I know you do a lot of coverage over there. I've seen you doing stuff with the thoroughbreds and the quarter horses. Tell us about how all that came out coming from Texas over to Louisiana and, and some of the stuff you're doing over there. Well, you know, uh, Gino, first of all, congratulations on your 300th show. You Thank know, I'm you. a big fan Thank and you. always, always commend you for being so positive and innovative about covering our sport. But you and I probably share one thing, and that's the um, the importance of networking. And so what happened is I was full time at Sam Houston for a very long time. But then I really wanted to branch out and do more consulting and writing and a couple of handicapping, a couple other things. And it was crazy. Uh, Trent McIntosh, who, gosh, I mean, I have known for forever. He was he's been kind of uh, at Remington, started out and then, you know, went to other places. And he ended up being the general manager. Well, actually, I'm sure what maybe director of racing at Louisiana Downs. This is about 10 years ago. And he called me and he said, how are you doing? I said, fine. He said, you know, I really like your notes that you write for Sam Houston. Is there any way I could get you to do it for <laughs> for our track? And I said, because, you know, remember years ago it was huge. You know, they had the Super Derby. They had all kinds of mm-hmm. incredible history. Uh, but things have changed in every state. You know that. So um, I said, well, yeah, I'd love to. So the funny part about it is I did know a lot of the horsemen because, some, you know, years ago when we didn't have quite the purses as we've got now in Texas, a lot of horsemen horsemen bailed and went to Louisiana. So I knew some of them, but I still had a learning curve. And this is where it's kind of fun for me. You know, there was a few people that I knew from Sam Houston and I, and every time I called them and asked for, you know, a little information, either background or phone numbers of people, they were so willing. And one of them was Don Symington. And he was one of the leading riders on the Texas circuit for a long time. Now he's uh, retired from racing, but he's an excellent jockey agent. And one of his um, guys is Joel Dominguez, who's very successful in Louisiana. And another guy that I called because he represents a lot of the top riders and has been around for a long time is Ronald Ardoin. Now, let me tell you, he won 5,000 races. You'd think maybe he'd be haughty or whatever. Every time I call Ronnie, it's like, what do you need? What can I do for you? Call me anytime. And so <laughs> that <laughs> hospitality, to, right? The Southern yeah, hospitality. Yep. It, it, w- it was so welcome for me because, you know, I only want to do the job if I'm going to do it right. And if I know all the parties, but it takes a while to get adjusted to another circuit. But certain guys like that and Trent and then Eric Hallstrom came uh came down from he had been at uh you know canterbury and fair oh he knows he's been everywhere but he was general manager for a while there so we had a chance to work together so it's always been great people now we have a new owner kevin preston i'm sure you've read some of the stuff about him he's super pumped up he's a casino operator but this is the first time he's ever owned a racetrack and he wants to make it great again and then he hired mitch dennison and the two of them are working really hard with the horsemen and everything seems to be really upbeat for the beginning of the 2022 uh thoroughbred meet at 
at Louisiana Downs. So I'm really excited to be a part of it for sure. Yeah, there's just a good energy. There really right. is. Like everyone I'm talking to, everyone's excited and everyone's saying, "Yeah, well, you know what? We're going to we're going to work this. We're going to we're going to listen to going to take feedback. We want to make right. sure everything's great. We're going to try this. We're going to test this out." Sure. And I'm really really excited uh, about helping out and they get started this week on what a right. great week to open things up when everyone's, you know, the it's the, one of the biggest horse racing weeks, if not the biggest of the entire year with the Kentucky Derby. So Absolutely. their opening day is going to be on Saturday. A lot of people like to go to their local tracks wherever they are and play the races and hang out through the day. And so they're going to be a bunch of events out there for opening day, right? I think food trucks all over the place, family right. stuff with the face painting and stuff exactly. for the kids all over. Mm-hmm. So bring the whole family out right off the bat and uh, you can play some uh, some Churchill early and then later in the day jump into uh, to some LAD. Right. They start at 305 Central and it's seven races. So it's a really good post time for them because they're kind of in the middle of everything. And obviously they'll open early so everybody can come out and watch the entire card at Churchill and then the other simulcasting you want to do on that day. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that Kevin did right off, he he the, uh, became official, I think, November 1st. So one of the first things he did. Uh, as an owner, as he had a fire, fireworks show on New Year's Eve. And there were, you know, it was just crazy. The attendance was crazy. And all of a sudden people started coming. And that's what a lot of the horsemen have said. We need to get people out here in person. We need to mm-hmm. entertain them, live music, you know, uh, kids activities, food trucks, stuff like that to get them out there. Because once they come and they experience it, um, you know, uh, Shreveport, Bossier City, it's not a huge metropolitan, not like Houston and not like Los Angeles, you know. I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't a lot of stuff to do because there is, but the people there love sports. I mean, you know, start talking about football or whatever. It's crazy. So it's it was great. So now, you know? and, and just kind of piggybacking on that now with the with the sports wagering right out there and the legal sports wagering and then right. people having the opportunity to go to the track, place a wager and then. They're there. You you got to try to hook them on the horses too while they're out there, right? You got to try to yeah. give you know have, have have great events to get them out there, and that's what's great. It's like a there's a lot of things coming together, and it feels like the ownership and everyone is really really heading in the right direction. Pumped up, pumped up, and it's one of the cool uh, things about the layout. It's a huge facility. First time I went there, Gino, I couldn't believe how big it was. You know, um, and so they've got a grandstand, they've got a suite level, they've got all this, but. Uh, the uh, casino, they also have an on-site casino. It doesn't have table games, but it's got a lot of slots and the sports book and the racing and an OTB hub right there. So everything's within like, you know, just like uh, 500 feet of each other. It's really easy to get around. It's air conditioned, which already we're starting in the 90s. Believe me, you want to have air conditioning, but it's also a nice apron area that you can hang outside if you like to be a rail bird and watch. So, you know, a lot of great things about uh, Louisiana Downs and everybody, like you said, is pumped up about the racing and the quality of the racing will be good. Uh, The other thing I definitely want to mention, they've got a spectacular turf course. Um, It's called the Franks Turf Course, named after John Franks, who was one of the original owners and a tremendous Louisiana owner and breeder so it's a beautiful turf course it's so hard in the summer to keep these turf courses looking green and and gorgeous because of the heat but uh, they do a great job there maintaining it and you know I think um, you know I talked to Shane Wilson who was a leading uh, trainer last month I mean last year excuse me in the last season he's super pumped up he said I'm gonna run I've got horses that I want to run and I'm going to run, you know, every turf race that they have, depending <laughs> on the distance, Philly mayor, Colt Gelding, doesn't matter. I'm running. And so that, that's awesome. You know, that's one of the great things about Louisiana, which is something that we talk about uh, every year with Sam Houston too, is that they give you grass races for all like levels of horses. 
there right. are some some of the bigger circuits or the circuits you know in New York and California and stuff. If you have a horse that maybe it can't compete at the top top level, but they're a grass horse, they don't really have anywhere to run. Right. You, you exactly. know, there just aren't very many options for them. There are some really really talented quality horses that just need to find the right spot and been given the opportunities, and you get. All levels of racing and really good competitive grass racing. There are a couple races, and what I love too, and as a handicapper, they get their races and their entries out really early. You yeah. and I are recording <laughs> on Tuesday, Tuesday, and on Tuesday morning, they've already got Saturday, Sunday, and Monday's entries for next week out, and Saturdays and Sundays are already finalized with morning lines and everything. So yep. it makes it really easy to get your handicapping done kind of ahead if you want. You sure. can kind of uh, – Promoted a little bit more I I really like that And so um, you, you mentioned the time They're going to be 3.05 central mm-hmm. time For first post And they're going to have that seven race card Most days where you'll have that late pick four uh, Starting in the last four races Each and every day And the the quality As, as you were mentioning of really good barns Shane Wilson is going to return uh, After leading the way last year He was the leading trainer mm-hmm. You've got uh, you know, after him, it's just a, a who's who of others. You know, Joe Foster, Joe Duhon, Broberg, Asmussen. That's right. We're going to have major strings. So there yeah. are real, real top level uh, outfits here at Louisiana Downs. Well, and it's an interesting situation, too, because Evangeline Downs is also running thoroughbreds right now. Delta's running quarter horses. There's a lot of race states in Louisiana, and most racing states have kind of cut down, but they don't. You know, they have, like, a lot of race states. And so it's funny. When I talked to Don Symington, and he's repping uh, Joel Dominguez, he said, Joel will ride seven days a week. He's going to ride four days at uh, at Evangeline, which is evening. He's going to ride three days at Louisiana Downs. And so, um, you know, it won't be surprising to see Asmussen and Broberg and uh, you know a couple of those horsemen going back and forth now Joey Foster oh a terrific guy I hope you get a I hope you're able to either talk to him or see him in person if you're making a trip he's one of the funniest guys he's just down good guy you know and he can joke with you about anything and he's so hands-on with his horses he's he's an amazing guy but um, you know he he stables there and he's always been loyal to there he doesn't like setting up shop at two different places so he's there and the rest of them you'll see them all over the place and but you know it's it's competitive it's definitely going to be competitive and the jockey colony who awesome you know uh, Carlos Lozada who I don't know if you know him that well because you know he really stays in the region but he's mm-hmm. he's talented and he actually attended that same uh racing school in Puerto Rico that um graduated uh both our Ortiz brothers. I mean, those guys, and there was some other, uh, um, I read about it and I forget the name, but there was some other young kid that just started riding and he's making an impact and he graduated from there. If you ever see any of those guys that come out of there, boy, do they know how to train those, those riders, um, you know, classic style, uh, pretty amazing. And Emmanuel Nieves, who isn't a household name, but he was a graduate of that too. And he's a former uh, leading rider there as well. And then we have the return of Jack Gilligan, who rode, rode quite a bit at the fairgrounds, had a really tough accident a couple of years ago, and it mm-hmm. took him a while to come back. But he's going to be there. And um, obviously, a couple of the girls. Uh, well, I'm always excited about Erica Murray. She's coming back from an injury. Maria Baca, who I believe is Tim Thornton's sister. And Tim Thornton in Louisiana is like, whoa, off the rails, you know, the top rider, yeah, thoroughbred yeah. rider there. Well, all over the place and um, a young apprentice named Brianne uh, Culp. So, uh, yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to see how competitive the jockey colony is. And we know, as we talked about, we're going to see a lot of quality trainers there, too. 
Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the, the the couple towards the top with Dominguez, Joel Dominguez, mm-hmm. and yep. Carlos Lozada. Dominguez was the leading in in earn, money earnings slightly, but Lozada was the win, the leading <laughs> the leader in wins last yeah. year. And Lozada, yeah. they've kind of gone back and forth over the last couple of years. They're always For towards sure. the, the top. And Nieves is another one who you mentioned. It should be a really really solid, strong jockey colony up towards the top with the those top three from last year all back and looking to win. A ton of races we mentioned the uh the who's who of uh of trainers that are going to be back with the with live runners all throughout the meet and the you know just the the events like we were talking about it just feels like you're going to be seeing a lot of things like um like you mentioned with that fireworks show right there are going to be exotic animal races that we look forward to i think on may the 30th we're gonna get the camels the the ostriches (laughs) the zebras right they're all gonna be out there Yep, and then uh, another uh, thing that I didn't put in my opening weekend notes, but on my, uh, they've they've got one major major Louisiana uh, state bred racing day, kind of like our Texas Champions Day. It's called Louisiana Cup Day, and that's usually six or seven races. And again, on every surface for Phillies mares for you know turf dirt, um, just incredible history where you have some real experienced horses and then some horses in the juvenile that just soar afterwards and that's already set up for august 6th there is a lot of discussion and a lot of hope that they're going to be able to bring the super derby back um but it's all going to have to be related on getting you know sponsorship money and and purse money because it's expensive (laughs) yeah oh yeah exactly Yeah, exactly. and back in the heyday, you know, when it was, I looked at, if you ever look up Louisiana Downs, you look at the website and you see some of the horses that won. I mean, they had four Breeders' Cup classic horses Whoa, that I were, know. you know, you. I'm sure you, I know you're a history it, buff, so I'm sure you've Incredible history that you're right. You kind of, because it's out of sight, out of mind, right? If it if right. it's for a, for a couple years or a year or two where you don't see it quite as much or you don't hear about it quite as much and right. it just it feels a little different this year with the yeah. with the new ownership with Kevin coming in sure. and with the uh, the acquisition it just feels like there's this great great passion in Louisiana. Everyone that I've spoke to over there is just like Hey, we're ready. What do you need anything from us? Do you need any help? What like it's it's a really great communication, I can tell. And uh that that's what I I look forward to. And right. uh we'll be diving into those races. So Martha, we'll get you back a few times throughout for the sure. meet. You know, for sure, definitely before Cup Day. And if yeah. there's any other updates, I'll make sure you know. And I do also mm-hmm. want to send out a word to um about John McGarry, who's been their uh, announcer for a long time. He's <laughs> John's a great guy, he's very funny. Um, we uh, we've gotten to be very good friends every time we have major racing events like the Mardi Gras Futurity and of course Cup Day we do a seminar and we just go off into the most ridiculous tangents because okay you'll have to tell me some stuff off air so I can I can uh, (laughs) pop him because I'm going to be talking with him a little pretty often now and I I spoke with him I reached out to him him. and said I'll have to get you on my show and anything you need I'll help out so you have to give me some inside jokes that I can make him laugh with a a little bit okay that that will be fun I'll look forward to doing that for sure (laughs) Martha thank you so much we always give you a follow on social media you do a great job promoting uh, every track all of the racing that you're involved with thoroughbreds quarter horses top levels uh, all levels of racing it doesn't matter and what I love uh, when we talk is we get to talk about the horses, but we get to all, uh, talk a lot about the people too. Yeah, and um, yeah. we get to, you know, we, that's what's great. Um, I've been very lucky doing some work recently with Fantac, where I'm doing these uh, weekly uh, jockey interviews, and uh-huh. and and we're getting. It's so nice because you see these jockey and these trainers and these owners' names on the paper so right. much, but you so rarely get to hear them talk. Yeah, and when we do, it's like, what do you think about your horse? And that's right. it. 
I just know to it's hear their stories and is, oh. is so great, you know? Yeah, it, you're 100% right. And my funny story about jockeys is prior to me doing all my racing stuff, I used to manage uh, tennis tournaments, the Virginia Slims of Houston, and a couple other things. And the tennis players at that time were very elite and very pampered and mm, no other adjectives needed. So when I first started working with jockeys, I was like, I wonder if it'll be, I wonder how they'll be. And I remember I organized a trip to take them to the hospital to visit sick children. And instead of begging them, they were like, okay, what do you, you need me to wear my silks? And yeah, you know, when are we going? I'll be ready. Just let me know what you need. And so I've always, since then, that date, I've always had a very, very soft spot, spot in my heart for them because they're great guys. They don't get the publicity that they deserve for the work that they do. And you're right. It's a lot of fun. So I'm sure you're having fun with that aspect of it as well. Oh yeah. I can't wait to uh, continue uh, learning more about the connections here at Louisiana Downs. Always love hearing your stories uh, when you do the post in the pre-race interviews or when you share tidbits on social media. So thank you for teaching me so much about uh, <laughs> these people through the years uh, that I just I, I don't know these incredible stories about. And uh, it's always nice to to get to know the the, uh, the folks off the track also. We'll get you some jambalaya when you go down there. Okay, the I know. That's I'm going to make – I got to – that's it's on the bucket list. Food. I'll definitely make the trip out there sometime this year for sure. Can't it, wait. We'll, Can't we'll wait. get out there uh, and and have some fun. Looking forward to talking LAD every day here. And what's nice, Martha, because I'm a Dodger fan, I have some <laughs> LAD gear that I can just wear on the simulcast. It's like, hey, look, LAD, you know, it's just LA Dodgers stuff. So they're it, they're off to a good start, aren't they? I, they are. Yeah. They're, yeah. Knock on wood, they're doing very well. So, uh, Martha, you have a great Derby week and uh, a great opening day at Louisiana, and we'll touch base with you again real soon anything that you've got going on if you're covering any races or any big days anywhere just let me know and we'll bring you on and uh you can let us know uh what's important that you're uh, that you're focusing on that weekend my pleasure gino you have a great week as well and we'll talk soon thank you so much that's martha clausen uh, make sure to give her a follow on social media and martha always checks in with us here whenever we have important stuff to talk about sam houston louisiana downs and all over the place in racing don't go anywhere folks still a lot more to come on this episode Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version, and even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view, and any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. 
every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com on a big weekend like this weekend everyone's going to drf.com to get the kentucky derby packages or maybe you just buy the past performances for each particular day maybe you're playing a couple other tracks like louisiana downs as martha was helping uh, to get us set up for so louisiana coming this weekend and we'll be talking with martha a lot more throughout the meet when they uh, have some of their big racing days up next it's our guy it's the leadoff hitter Anytime we have guests aboard to uh, to break down the races, the uh, the big big days of racing, it's Barry Spears. It's the sniper. So first up, talking Churchill Downs Friday. It's my good friend Barry Spears, the sniper. We're talking the Grade Three Modesty Race Five for Churchill Downs Friday. Oh, it is that time. The stakes action starts. We get into the Friday Kentucky Oaks undercard graded stakes races and we've had a little tradition here on that's what g said over the last couple years we've now passed the 300 show mark a gentleman who's joined us many times always when there's big days of racing he's always our leadoff hitter because you got to get the right energy to start that game off you want someone who's going to come up there who's going to be ready to rock and roll who's going to come up firing who's not afraid to to hit a home run right off the bat and just change the complexion of the game. I'm talking about one of the best people out there in horse racing Twitter. I'm talking about my good friend, the sniper, Barry Spears. How we doing this morning, Ricky? Uh, hanging in there, Gino. What's going on? Not a man. I just got to say, before we jump in, you and I are going to talk uh, the modesty on uh, on Friday at Churchill race number five, which kicks off the graded stakes action. I think there are 15 of them on uh, Friday and Saturday. So we'll we'll get the ball rolling. Um, I really have to give you a, a major thanks over the last couple of years. You have been a great friend to me. You have helped me out quite a bit on this show. I think a lot of people uh, catch you and me with Matt DeSantis on Friday mornings with our This Weekend in Stable dual live streams. We know you're with Chuck Simon on Big Mondays on the Going in Circles. And it's been a fantastic year for you. I love seeing when, when my friends have, have just had some success. And it's been so great to see you pop up and help out TVG, doing stuff over at Tampa. Feels like finally for the last year or so, people have started looking and been like, Oh, you know, this Barry guy, he actually knows what he's talking about. He's pretty <laughs> sharp. He's pretty funny. He's got some good insight. So, uh, man, how, how's it been for you the last six months to a year? It feels like things are going very well. Yeah, man, I, I really can't complain, you know, uh, personally, professionally, everything's been going well. Um, you know, made some good friends over the pandemic, you know, <laughs> helping you out and, and, and we've become closer. So, you know, I, I just really have nothing to complain about. You know, I've, I've been telling them the whole time. I, I know what I'm doing sometimes. Yeah. And, and what's <laughs> nice is, 
you have an energy, you have uh, w- w- the mantra that we, we speak with quite a bit, the no chalk zone, you know, that's what we come with. That's, that's what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to tell you something that everybody could tell you and real basic and real obvious. And we have a, a good time doing it. Super passionate about the racing. Barry Spears, one of the real good guys out there. Make sure to check him out every Friday morning with us, 10 a.m. Eastern time on this weekend in Stable Duel and check out Going in Circles with Chuck Simon on uh, Big Mondays. What well, uh, you guys do too, Barry, is, you know, on our shows, we have a lot of fun. Um, we, you know, make selections and we analyze races a little bit more. You and Chuck will do that sometimes, but you, you talk a lot more of like the major topics, hot button issues, big important things going on in the world of racing. Yeah, that's that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to kind of separate ourselves a little bit um, by talking about those kind of things, um, because there's there's like there's quite a few shows that are out there that that do picks and stuff like that. But um, we we kind of wanted to go a different direction, especially with the perspectives that we have. You know, me from the betting side, Chuck from the training side. Um, so so it's working very very well, and and uh, hopefully you know 2023 will be even better. Let's make a little money for the the folks this weekend, my man. We will start on Friday with the grade three modesty mile and an eighth on the turf course. Some really, really good racing throughout the weekend. And uh, here's a nice contentious race. We have Bleecker Street, who's five for five, but a really weird Chad Brown horse. Right. I mean, yeah. When you think of undefeated Chad Brown horses, you would think of like these really gaudy horses who have won a bunch of graded stakes races, like top tier grade ones. This horse has done it a completely different way. Monmouth, Meadowlands, a few at Tampa, and just kind of, it's almost like this horse is better than they think. And then just keeps like, keeps improving and impressing them. Yeah. You know, just the, just the whole fact that this horse started uh, her career at Monmouth tells you a lot, you know, they, it seems like they really didn't know what they had until, uh, she turned four, you know, and, and just ripped off three straight at uh, at Tampa. But definitely the horse to beat in this race. Uh, you know, this this puzzle, uh, the modesty, it was really tough because it's hard to figure out who is going to be the speed. Um, there, there's really like no speed in this race. And, and uh, that in itself gives me a little bit of pause on, on selecting a horse as the favorite in, in uh, Bleecker Street, who has to kind of come from off it. This horse, the one's no part of the lead, kind of totally uh, every time, but, you know, closes with a, with a huge rush. I mean, the last two, the Endeavor on uh, February 5th and then the Hillsboro on March 12th. I mean, if you go back and watch those races, she just, she just closed with a, with a flourish and, you know, I don't know if she'll have that opportunity, especially with some possible rain, you know, maybe early in the card. Um, I don't know. I, I think she, she might be up against it. It's time to to kind of break away and, and uh, try to find somebody closer to the lead that, that may be able to stay on. And that brings me to my ultimate selection, which is Hendy Woods. Yeah, that's the, I knew, I, it's funny. I knew when we were, when I was looking at this race, <laughs> I was like, I know we're both going to end up on this horse. I know it because he just, she looks like the mo if she's anything seven to two plus she looks like she's the play she looks like she just fits and she's like it's her time second off she can kind of sit tell us a little bit more about hendy woods yeah i mean you know it just feels right this is this is looks like the race that they were targeting the whole time 
bringing her back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly willing to forgive that last race at, at uh, the fairgrounds. She didn't really do much running, but I don't think she was expected to. Nope. Um, you know, this was just a, a prep for, for uh, Friday's race in the modesty. You know, and, and you know what, Barry? It was a little, it was one of those where they're not, I don't think they were, w- once they got into a little bit of trouble, because she had a fine start, she was kind of close up, and then she got caught in between, and they sort of tried to back out of that spot, and they sort of grabbed a hold, now she loses a few lengths, it's one of those races where it's like, uh-oh, we got caught in some trouble, we're not going to really go crazy here to try to to worry about winning this thing, let's just save let's just save for the next race we'll get a little fitness out of this and we'll be ready for a big one next time out right exactly and that's that's that seems like how you know the instructions may have been uh for tyler gaffleon totally agree is is another interesting point too is is tyler ends up on monastella who's who's 30 to 1 morning line in this spot which is kind of a little absurd uh the horse shouldn't be you know that long um well, especially but, in the race with no pace, right? There's two or three that have a little bit of speed, and those if one of those horses gets brave or gets a little bit lucky out front or what we see in turf races and distance turf races all the time, right? If one of those two or three just gets out and everybody else grabs a hold, they could – nobody in here with that type of early speed should be that big of a price. You're absolutely right. right. Exactly, and, and I only see two horses that possibly could do that is Monastella and Stand Tall. Nobody else really wants any part of the lead. I mean nope. – there, there's, I guess, a slight chance that Hendy Woods would be a lot closer than, mm-hmm. than he has been, um, and that's okay. I, I think I don't, I don't think a deep closer is, is the way to go in this race, no. and you have quite a few of them here. You know, uh, past the plate likes to come from way back. Uh, Bleecker Street is is somewhat of a of a deeper type closer. Um, the, the one horse who's the second choice fluffy sucks, likes to come from way out of it too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all those things considered, and if you, you know, don't think stand tall is, is classy enough, which I don't and Monastella in the same boat, the next horse that should be in that second tier to me would be Hendy Woods. And and I think that horse is going to get first run and totally agree. So, um, she'll be right there at the end, if not winning it. She has more, a little more tactical speed than she showed last time out when you dive back into, you know, looking at those races last year at a mile. Those were pretty good. She, like you said, she'll go second off the bench. This was the plan for her. Look at the, the work tab too, a little bit. You could tell after that race where they had a little bit of trouble in March, they got a couple more nice, quicker works into her back to back 47 and four type works and then you get the real slow maintenance work on may the first just to get a little more fitness in there heck she was only six to one in the grade one qe2 back at the end of of 2020 and that was was a tough race (laughs) yeah that was with micheline and harvey's little goyle there she's grade two placed over this turf course she's run really really well here She's one of these horses that I've always been a fan of, Barry. I've always liked to, to play her in spots where I think she's run pretty well and kind of outrun her odds of sometimes. Feels like a really good spot for Hendy Woods, the number six. And I agree, if you were looking for some underneath horses to maybe to throw in, Stand Tall should be forwardly placed in that top two to three, I'd imagine, with uh, Giroux from the inside who gets aggressive. They should be saving ground, nice cozy spot. Don't know if they're good enough, but heck, they're cutting back from a mile and a half and a mile and five sixteenths. So if they are 
on the lead or pretty close, this might be a horse who's tough to pass. Right. And, and, you know, that's why I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards betting against um, Bleecker street because I agree. Although she, you know, she's been excellent. I mean, just improving every start. Um, I think finally the, the pace dynamics have, have caught up with her in this but spot. Every race she's caught, she has caught a pretty quick pace. When you look yeah. at least the first quarters of like all of the races she's been in have been like 23 and one or sub. Right. They've all yeah. been pretty fast early. Yeah. That's, that's kind of rare these days on the turf. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, like I said, finally she's, she's running up against a pace that's, that's going to be, probably way slower than than she would like so this is the time to to take a stand against um you know in a in a pick three pick four pick five situation you definitely it's it's tough i mean because usually a horse like bleaker street it's it's either single or spread um i'm i'm i would just spread here and and toss her out and and you know, kind of go against the grain and, and make some money. Mm-hmm. I think the the combinations of horses that we mentioned, you know, I would build a lot around the sixth. I would throw the two stand tall in, and I would probably, I would prefer fluffy socks to bleaker street. Like if you're trying to beat bleaker street, I'm I'd be okay throwing fluffy socks in, maybe saving the ground from down there at a, at a little bit better of a price. And maybe one, you know, maybe you find one or two others more, maybe you throw in a Monastella at a big price, but yeah, for me, I'll build the, I would be fine on one or two of my tickets singling Hendy Woods. And, and if this horse is over seven to two, I'll, I'll bet a few bucks to win on her. Cause I think we found a horse who seems to just be really well spotted in here and, uh, and may not take as much money than uh, as the undefeated bleaker street for Brown and for Pratt. So uh, let's get things kicked off in the modesty race. Number five, it'd be nice to get Hendy Woods home or even a, a stand tall would be a, be a fine result for myself and the sniper. But that's just the start of the graded stakes on a massive weekend, Barry. Let's uh, let's get a thought or two from you on the two big main events this weekend. Friday, we head to the Kentucky Oaks, and we've got a really cool field, man. We've been following these Phillies for a while. There are four or five of them that are very, very good. They've kind of all beat up on their locals, and they all come together now to see who is the best of the best. Where, uh, where are you leaning in the Oaks? I'm leaning towards uh, Kathleen O. I, I, I was really impressed by her Gulfstream Park Oaks uh, race where she was just, you know, at the top of her game. And I, I think she she can improve off of that, actually, which is amazing because she ran so well. But it's, it's crazy, that race um, in the Oaks, because a lot of the horses look the same on paper. Uh, you go Nest, Goddess of Fire, Kathleen O. They all look very, very similar on paper. Um, and then you have a horse like Shahama, who could be any kind. Been over here with Pletcher for a while, mm-hmm. um, who's also undefeated. <laughs> I mean, you know, th- this is going to be a really interesting race. But I was just so impressed with Kathleen O uh, last time that I, I, I just can't get around that last race. I, I think she was just this is perfect for her. This the distance, everything. So we're going to try her and maybe use a little bit of uh, Shahama just as a, as a wild card. That is uh Shah- I will say Shahama in the last like three or four days has, I've been warming up more and more to this horse, just liking what I've been seeing, liking what I've been hearing, liking the stuff I've been watching. So that's one that's going to start to sneak into the bottom of some of my exotics. No doubt about it. 
Uh, we are here talking with our good friend, the sniper, Barry Spears. And before we uh, we let Barry get out of here, we got to ask him about the Derby a little bit. We had some fun. You and I are recording this on uh, Wednesday morning. And on Tuesday night, we did a fun little uh, Kentucky Derby fantasy draft. Shout out to our buddy, Matt DeSantis. This was a fun idea, something that was a little bit different. You, me, Matt, and Caleb all drafted the field of 20 in and basically like a fantasy draft snake order. So I had the first pick, you had the second pick. I went with Zandin and you went with Epicenter. So tell us a little bit about the Derby. Is Epicenter one of the horses that you will be using and sort of how are you looking to play the race? Absolutely. Uh, Epicenter, I, I think the race just goes through Epicenter, to be honest, um, because this horse can be on the lead or be close to the lead and kind of control things. Even, you know, I, I think a horse like Summers Tomorrow might just be kind of a runoff um, and, and, a target for epicenter who's going to most likely or hopefully be in, in that second flight um, kind of sitting close to the inside, saving ground. I mean, they, you know, the, the post position draw for epicenter was, was almost perfect. Um, you know, usually you would like to see your horse outside of speed, but I think in this case being inside is probably going to be a little bit better just, just based on the runners that we have. Um, but, I mean, uh, top to bottom, I, I think you can almost eliminate half the field just, you know, on, on kind of the class test alone. Um, and But the other half, they're very, very similar. You know, it, it, I'm really not sure what to do with a horse like um, Taba. I mean, this horse runs 200-plus buyers first two times out. I have no clue what to do with this horse. I really right. don't. I, I have no idea. I mean, the the horse basically won on the lead the first time, kind of came off at the second time. It's like, you know, it's tough because you have no recollection of or or no real established way of running for this horse. So not I, at all. I don't know. Is this is this tough. horse is this justify authentic type or is this a horse like a curlin that's that good or is this a horse who like we've seen horses with big figures and then they get in a race like this. I mean. Within the first uh, five jumps, if this horse gets into some trouble, I'd be in, I'd be worried big time if I back the horse. But who knows if if maybe he's just a freak, and and what, what he was able to do from start one to start two, Barry. When you go from six to a mile and an eighth, and you're able to run down horses who have more experience than you, going longer and against graded stakes horses, I I thought that he was in the race as like a rabbit. In the Santa Anita Derby. I was like, oh, look, he's in here to set it up for Messier to make things hard on Forbidden right. Kingdom. Heck no. They rode that horse with his intentions to win. He went right after Messier and, and went by him. Yeah, I mean, it was it was impressive. I mean, you know, you always have to have that question of whether the, the prep out there was was all that strong. because <laughs> Short field, you know, the, Forbidden the, Kingdom just stopped. Exactly. And, and, you know, nothing, you know, to take away from that, uh, the top three ended up in the Derby. So um, there's definitely something to make note of, but yeah, you know, that's a hard read. And, and, you know, just thinking about it and, and looking at everything, it seems like Taba might be a little bit underlaid. I, I agree. And the um, more and more people I've taught are talking or, and the, the numbers, the figures jump out, right. When people yeah. are looking at the, the triple digit buyers and stuff. And, you know, this is, a, he's talented. He's, it, what I what I liked about him, and it, I didn't play him in the Santa Anita Derby, so I'm not gonna like pat myself on the back. But yeah, <laughs> I, I scored that day. But what 
when I watched his debut and I was handicapping the Santa Anita Derby, I his his debut win wasn't like one of those wins that you'll see horses when they break their maiden and you're like, oh, well, they sat right off of the leader and got the easiest trip in the world and then just put everybody away and crushed. And yeah, they earned a big buyer, but they didn't have to do anything. He actually had to kind of work in between Mm -hmm. horses. He was kind of battling around and he had to like put these multiple horses away and draw off. It wasn't just your typical, oh, go right to the front, get the lead. We don't even know how good this horse is because he just beat horses that he was better than. I actually saw him have to dig down a little bit and show something. And then he looked like he, he took a lot out of that in career start number two. He's the most polarizing horse in the race to me. I'll, I'll have a few tickets. Like I'll always play one or two, like you were saying, where I'll, I'll use my strong opinions leading into the Derby and have one pick three or pick four. Where I'm like, here's all I want to have one where I'm closing with all yeah. or a lot. He'll, he'll be on probably half of the tickets that I play. I just, I, I, yeah, I'm as, as we get days closer, I'm still, still like having the, I'm still talking through my process with him. He's, we're on the same page with Taiba. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he definitely can win, but there's negatives too. I mean, only two races lifetime. I mean, it's, it's not any shame for that horse not to win his third start in the Kentucky Derby going a mile and a quarter. I mean, it, it's just, it's trying to buck a trend. Um, and that horse is clearly talented enough to do it. It's just whether it happens is another story. Same thing with charge it. I mean, charge it is a little bit slower, you know, speed figure wise, but they're very similar, um, in how they ran and, and how they finished up the last race. It, it's just uncanny. So there's, there's a lot to like here, but I mean, like I said, I think half the field, literally 10 horses, you could kind of poo poo a little bit from the mm-hmm. winds spot and then after that you know it's it, it's kind of up in the air because there's certain there's certain scenarios where each of those other 10 horses could actually win that that's what i agree i think it does feel like we have a couple tiers and i did think epicenter and probably zandin are are in a maybe a, a little bit of a tier slightly ahead of everybody else but then there's another tier of about four or five and then i think one more tier of about four or five and then there's just a huge drop off it's like you got that nine or ten, and then it really feels like okay, I would be, I'd be pretty surprised to see any one of them um, really, really contend and compete. But we see crazy things happen in the Derby. Not as many crazy things since the uh, since the point system have been in. We've gotten a little bit more of a the who's should be in here running. And anytime there's big races, you know this man is going to be joining me here on that's what G said. I'm actually. I'm I'm very happy because I know with all the uh, the celebrity of Barry Spears, I wasn't sure if he'd even be able to pencil us in on his schedule. With you know, I might be popping up here, he might be here. I'd see him on ESPN shoot soon, America's Best Racing. We're gonna see him on uh, NBC Sports, I'd imagine. So I uh, and when that happens, when and I say I don't say if I say when that happens, you know, one person will be sitting front row with the Barry Spears shirt on. One of your biggest fans, always, my friend. I'm uh, always so happy to see uh, good things happening for you because. You are one of the real good guys. You are genuine. You work really hard. You are honest. You always show up. You always help out. And, uh, you know, you're not afraid to tell someone exactly what's up. You know, that's, that's what I love too, right? We, we are, I like to say it too, man, I'll be your best friend or your worst enemy. Right. <laughs> like just, uh, I'll help you out in any way you need, but just 
be respectful, be nice. Because if not, don't don't piss me off. I'll come out. I'll come after you. And uh, I feel like we're the we're the same way, right? We're absolutely, yeah, you know. <laughs> some kindred spirits in that my friend and uh as long as i've i'm talking here races and talking sports and stuff and uh as long as you want to you'll always have a place here with me man i appreciate that man you're you're a good man good friend love it love it brother we're gonna continue to get closer and closer as the years come you have a great rest of your weekend we won't have our uh our friday stable duel show just this week because i think everyone's gonna be up playing oaks friday morning and so <laughs> oaks and derby centric that We'll uh, we'll make all of our money this week, and then we'll have plenty of uh, plenty of ammo to fire away at Stable Duel next weekend. Exactly, that's that's what we want. But we're still going to be playing Stable Duel. Oh yeah, we'll still be playing Santa Anita. They'll have uh, stuff this weekend. Uh, Tampa, some stuff. Gulfstream, and then they've got those feeders leading into the Big Preakness contest in a couple weeks. So we'll try to get qualified for some of those, and uh, we'll be uh, checking out uh, everything that you've got going on social media. You're always such a fun follow, and. Uh, Man, you, like I always think you are one of the people that are horse racing Twitter to me because you're just great out there. You love to interact with people and uh, you're always having a good time. So it's been a been a pleasure over the last few years uh, having you be a part of the show and uh, and helping me out with all my content and uh, becoming a good buddy. So let's kick some ass this weekend, brother. All right, let's do it, man. Okay, you take care. That's Barry Spears. Ricky Henderson, our leadoff hitter. He's uh he's out there at second base. He's kissing. He's waving to the fans. He's getting ready because we're going to score a run right here coming up. Barry Spears, the sniper. Make sure to give him a follow out there at URBN Handicapper on social media. That's on Twitter. Barry, the sniper Spears. Stay tuned as we roll along through Friday on Kentucky Oaks Undercard. Better. You want to spread your pony knowledge by. Fantasy come true But no, no, no Stable Duel Download the Stable Duel app and play today I had to put the uh, Stable Duel commercial Right after Barry and right before Matt DeSantis Because we always do the uh, This Weekend in Stable Duel show Every Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time We won't be doing it on this Friday Because of Oaks Friday Because those races start so early We'll all be focused in on Churchill Downs over there But Gotta get to StableDuel.com and download the app or just go to the app store any, uh, anywhere you uh, you download your apps and you can enter games for free and play for money. Now, if you want to play for uh, a little more money, you're going to have to put in some entry fees. But you know, on, on Friday, there's going to be a free ride at Tampa Bay Downs if you want to play. They have the feeder games that will try to get you into the big contest for the Preakness in a few weeks. The March to Maryland feeders at Gulfstream Park. There's also one at Santa Anita on Saturday this weekend. Stable Duel. Get those entries in and play, race, win. Go set your alarms on the cal- in your calendars right now for next Friday. 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time. It'll be myself, Barry Spears, and Matt DeSantis, who joins me next. And Matt helps me out with race number six for Friday. At Churchill Downs, we dive into the grade one, La Troyenne. Mylon is 16th on the main track. She dares the devil, going to take a lot of money in here. Can Pauline's Pearl run her down, or is it going to be someone else upsetting the apple cart? Let's talk La Troyenne with Matty. 
The Friday racing rolls on. We're talking Kentucky Oaks undercard, and we're talking with our good buddy Matt DeSantis here. So we are up to race number six. It's actually funny. I didn't even realize I did this when I did the schedule, Matt, but the first two people I had were Barry and you. Uh, those are the first two <laughs> guests that I had on uh, on the Friday on for the Friday show. So while we're not doing our Friday live stream, it's kind of the same because the early, early Friday races, I, uh, I was able to talk about uh, with Barry. And then with you, I talked race five with Barry, the modesty. Now we get into the La Troyenne. We're going to pick your brain a little bit on the Oaks and the Derby after this, but uh, La Troyenne grade one. We've got a couple real quality horses in here on paper. It kind of looks and it might play out like a two horse race. Do you get that sort of feel too? It's hard to get past those two, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, she Dares the Devil and Pauline's Pearl. And and I think part of that is even if you think that the maybe there's going to be a little too much pressure up on the front, and we can talk about who that pressure might be on She Dares the Devil, the logical benefactor of that would be Pauline's Pearl. Exactly. Uh, and, and so who's going to sit off the pace and then come charging late. So it's hard to get past two very short prices. It, it, you either like she dares the devil to wire the field or you like Pauline's Pearl to launch late. I think real quality horses, um, you know, towards the top of the Philly and mayor division right now, I think yeah. these two Pauline's Pearl is one that she kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. You know, she dares the devil has been pretty quality for yeah. a while. She was your Kentucky Oaks winner when she won the Oaks, the, delayed Oaks. Uh, that was in yes. September, oh, yeah. uh, a couple years back. It's always yeah. funny to look and be, Oh yeah, the Derby and Oaks was in September, you know, yeah. but she won that race. So she's had some success. And when I say some success, she's five for five at Churchill Downs. She's the definition of a horse for course. She yeah. probably needed her last race a little bit. Cause she hadn't run since November. It was her first start of the year. So, you know, you can expect her to take a little step forward, but you were mentioning, I kind of think there might be a horse that's going to at least try to press her. We'll see if it'll work. Right. Sometimes you can, if you're a speed horse, it's like, I think we've joked about it before. Like Mike Tyson say, I'm going to punch you. And you're going to be like, okay, (laughs) let me try to block it. Uh, Good luck. You know? So like trying to chase some really fast speed horses. Sometimes it's like, it's going to really soften you up if you try to do it. Yeah. I, I think if you're looking at the speed, you know, potentially you can look at the outside and Ava's grace, the seven, the Diodoro horse. Yep. I, I mean, that's the horse that seemed to have figured something out, got beat very badly at the Aziri sitting well off the pace and just faded, then comes back and runs a Keeneland and hits, you know, just wires the field and wins very impressively. And this horse seems to respond well to being forwardly placed. Yep. And so I, I think especially breaking from the far outside, uh, they're going to be aggressive, I would imagine, and, and try to put some pressure on the early pace. And I also wouldn't be shocked if the uh, if the three uh, uh, temper time comes up and apply some pressure up front early. Again, all of that is to say, if that happens, then you're looking at Pauline's Pearl as the real mm-hmm. recipient because she's going to be sitting right behind that. Uh, and you're right, Pauline's Pearl is a horse that just you know is a filly that's really progressed nicely has. Yeah. Uh, you know, has a lot of tappets do kind of mature a little bit later. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing that out of uh, out of her right now. And it should be pointed out that when you actually look at her, uh, you know, running form and racing form, it, it, it one of the things I, I point this out because I was there that night when she came in second at the Charlestown Oaks, which is a grade three. But she pointed out the horse, our adios jersey that finished ahead of her actually got popped for having uh, a kind of a, you know, having pharmaceuticals. Yeah. yeah. Having, mm-hmm. uh, having a positive. So, uh, you know, you could argue she kind of won that race in terms of the fair entries yeah. uh, in that. Uh, and other than that, I mean, she's been very, very classy. She's got and, the one bad race in the Oaks. 
yeah, where she had a little it. bit of trouble and like yeah. everything else is really good, you know? Yeah. Really, really good. And this race might set up really nice for her. So I think uh, I, I, yeah. I think I lean in her direction if I had to pick between the two of them, just because I do think Ava's grace, like you said, when you had some trouble last time and Pauline's Pearl and she's there as the devil beat you by double digit lengths in that race yeah. and you were just never involved. I think for Ava's grace, the connections probably have to look around and go, OK, we got to go early and try to at least keep up with them. That's going to be our best shot, our best chance, our best shot in a race like this. And so I, I expect them to try to get aggressive from the outside. They can kind of look over, see what she dares the devil's doing, and then press this one right to the outside. If I had to pick and I was looking to play this race, you know, to start the pick six or an early exotics, I'd probably lean Pauline's Pearl of the two to, if I wanted to like single one of them. Yeah. Um. Now let's talk. Let's say something crazy happens and it's not one of those two that wins the race. Is there anyone else in here that you like that you think is a little bit interesting? For me, it'd probably be Jilted Bride. You know, I I just think that she's really honest. Another one, right? She's never missed the top three. Amazing. In her 16 races. Um, Absolutely amazing. I I don't know if I've ever seen that from a horse, no matter the quality. Once you get to this point, right? Like 15, 16, 18, you know. That's a lot of races to have a day or two where you just didn't like the track or the race shape or had a little trouble or races before a layoff that you can look at. So she, you know, she ran into Miss Bigley, uh, Crystal Ball, who's a nice one. I think Jilted Bride would be the next horse for me. If it wasn't one of those top two, I would look at her. But I, I do feel like the top two kind of stand out and are on a tier yeah. above the rest. I, I agree. I think the only, the, the one other horse I'll just mention, if you do get that maybe very pressured pace scenario, then I do think the five, uh, she's all wolf mm-hmm. is an interesting play because she's a late charger as well. And she she's was in front st- of uh jilted bride. Yeah. A couple starts back, you know, yeah. if I like her, I got to kind of like, she's all wolf. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and also if you look those last two times out really outran her odds, I mean, finished second at 36 to one and finished fourth at the Aziri at 48 to one. So well, it was, you know, even though finished off the board in terms of finishing fourth, still well outran her expectations in that race. So again, if it, it, just knowing the race shape up, if you think this is going to be Ava's grace temper time, she dares the devil pushing something unrealistic or unsustainable at a mile and a 16th, then look for those late chargers. And I think there's a possibility that the five comes in and picks up the pieces at the bottom end of the board or something and, like that. Uh, definitely worth mentioning that we've seen the jockey colony shift around in Southern California a little bit recently yeah. with Flavian Pratt moving his tack. He's out in Keeneland Churchill, and he's going to be out here in Kentucky. And then on the East coast, uh, Rispoli also out here in the Kentucky area for a while. And he's going to be more Midwest and East coast. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening, the, the hierarchy in Southern California kind of taking a little while to like shape shift a bit, you know, um, Hernandez is right towards the top now. And one guy who's actually been very rejuvenated over the last couple months is Mike Smith. Yep, He's been getting, well, what's happening is he's been getting a little bit better mounts, you know, because Pratt's not going to be around as much. Johnny V traveling a lot, right? So he wasn't going to be based there as much. He was riding everything for Baffert too. So that relationship for a little while isn't going to be on. And Mike's been getting, like anyone, he's a veteran. He doesn't have anything left to prove or or really anything to do anymore. He's checked all the boxes. But what he has been doing is he's been getting really aggressive again. 
too, with yep. horses, you know, like they showing a little more speed with them. We sort of think of Mike as someone who does in Yada ride, right? Yeah. Calms the horse down, comes from the back, very well-timed from the back, but he's been getting aggressive again with horses, which you have to do out in Southern California. And so it's not as if she's all wolf's going to be on the lead in here or anything, but I always love to see riders get a little bit more aggressive. It's like a bait, like any yeah. athlete, right? They just start, they, they, they're in a groove and yeah. and they just are, Hey, you know what? Let's just go. I get the and, horse out of the gate. They're smooth. Just go on with it. You know? And we saw him give, I, what I think was one of the better rides during the Derby prep season to Taba. Uh, at the Anita Oaks. I mean, just a brilliant ride in that case. Of and that was an instance of knowing when not to go too much, and yep. that was a brilliant uh, opportunity of going. Okay, these, you know, uh, I get it. You know, Messier and Forbidden Kingdom are going to have a match race. I'm going to sit right behind that, let these two wear each other out, and I'm going to go. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people expected that. A lot of people thought Tybo was going to be kind of cheap speed, so to speak, up front. Completely agree. And, and, and Smith kind of said, nope, we're not going to do that, and kind of took everybody to school yeah. with that ride. So, And I think that sort of shows you that they think that horse is pretty good, right? Because yeah. Tybo wasn't in there to be a rabbit or a nuisance or a pest of Forbidden Kingdom. Like, we all kind of thought on paper, it was like, oh, yeah. look, the Baffert horses are going to go after Forbidden Kingdom, and Messier is going to get a great trip. It's like, no, Tybo ran his own race. He was yep. in that race with his best intentions to win, which is something we get as horse players, a little cynical about when we see trainers or owners that have multiple entries and races, sure. right? We'll say, Hey, were they trying to win with that horse or were they playing blocker with that one for the others? But I like the fact that Taiba lightly raced was in that race to win. We'll talk about the Derby in just a second, Matt, but uh, let's shift to a little later on, on the Friday card. So, Kentucky Oaks. Now I think I know, I think I know just in, in following you for a while, this is a good group of Phillies, but you've been a fan of one particular Philly for a while. She's been progressing nicely. She comes off of a really good effort. So tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I got to imagine Kathleen O is going to be on a lot of your tickets come uh, come Friday. She is. I, I'm a big fan of this of Philly. I, I just I've been in the bag for her since really the beginning. And, uh, you know, first of all, I just I love the connections. I love Suge. Uh, you know, it gets a horse ready, knows how to get a Philly ready. And, uh, you know, seven to two. Honestly, I was a little surprised that Nest was the morning line favorite. I, I thought Kathleen O would actually have that honor. Uh, I, I think she'll get bet down along with Secret Oath in this race. But. Uh, nevertheless, Kathleen knows just uh, there's something so fantastic about those push button horses that, you know, she just sits and sits and sits. And then all of a sudden you just see the push on the neck and see you later. And she goes. And so she's got a very romantic running style that I think a lot of people like. Uh, now, I think there's legitimate questions to say, how good was the competition in South Florida that she has beaten to this point? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and is she going to be ready to, to kind of step up? One of the things I would say to that is, I, I agree maybe the competition has not been outstanding, but none of her rides have been without drama to some extent. She's had a lot of trouble and a mm-hmm. lot of trips, and just raw talent has kind of overcome that. So yep. I do like her. I like her breaking further outside in that 10-post position. I actually think that benefits because, as I mentioned, she does have some issues getting out of the gate sometimes. I think, you know, if you were, she was further inside, I'd be worried about getting pinched, getting, you know, I just a lot of issues there. I think breaking a little further out is beneficial for her. She's going to be able to slot in, find that running pace where she wants and then go. Uh, and there might be a little bit of pace up front. I think between Yugiri and Echo Zulu, uh, those two, I mean, Echo Zulu, who's only ever been behind once at the quarter pole uh, in her career, and that was her mm-hmm. maiden. Uh, you know, how is she going to respond to having to rate sitting off another horse? Uh, you know, Yugiri's going to go. And so, Again, there might be a little bit of pace, I think, for Kathleen O to run into. So 
Uh, I do like her uh, in, in the Oaks, uh, but uh, but this is a loaded, great, a loaded card. Great and there's group. A, there's a ton of value, I think, underneath in this card. Great group there, uh, and I'm uh, yeah. I knew I, this was one of my safer bets of the weekend, knowing the direction that Matt was going to go <laughs> in the Oaks. Because you got, I mean, why would why now would you get off of her when she's done everything along the way so well? She's answered every right. question. It's a tough group, and like you said, she. I I would not be shocked if we have three horses at like three to one. Yeah. And she's one of them and it's her nest and secret oath are all in that three to one, seven to two, right there range. And then we start getting, you know, echo Zulu right behind them and and so on and so forth. But they sort of feel like the three that I think will take the bulk of money, but none of them should be really under five to two or under. Like I think nest will float up and I don't, I would be surprised if anyone's like sub three to one. Cause it's, it's quality. This is a it, fun group. It is. And and I think, you know, the questions about Kathleen O's competition, I think are legitimate, but you could also look at nest and go outside of that last race. What is, you know, that, that really jumped up and from a speed figure standpoint, and even yep. then, depending on what metrics you're looking at, she's still kind of a step or two below some of the other uh, speed secret oath. You wondered, has the Arkansas Derby taken anything out of her? Uh, how is she going to bounce back from that? Now the workouts have looked great. So you know, I'm a little less concerned, but she's drawing the one hole. So, you know, is there concern there? She's going to get shuffled back a little further than she likes. So I, I think there, you know, Echo Zulu, you can go, you know, she barely hung on uh, the last time out. You know, how's this extra distance going to treat her? Uh, you know, how's she going to do handle the, you know, not maybe being on the lead. Uh, but I'll be honest, one of the two of the horses I'll, I'll kind of just throw out there. I do think uh, Venti, Valentine, and Hidden Connection are are very live long shots in this race uh, at 20 to 1 morning line. They have some nice kind of tactical speed, could be yeah. forwardly placed and at least keep themselves out of trouble. And those those are the type of horses that you like that can hang around for a slice, yeah. right? Because you don't have to worry probably about a lot of traffic trouble and stuff with them. They'll probably be in the upper third of the field, yep. you know, and, uh, and out of trouble at a nice, nice price. Yep. So that's the Oaks. And we record early in the week. And what's funny here, Matt, I didn't even realize, but look at what a sly devil that I am. You and I are recording on Tuesday, <laughs> a little bit before we're about to have a fantasy draft that that's coming up. That was your idea, which is really fun. Yes. So we're going to do a fantasy Kentucky Derby draft. So most people that'll be hearing this conversation, they'll probably hear it Thursday or um, early Friday, later on into the week. And when you hear that, go back over to Matt's Twitter um, and social media and go to at failed to menace. And you can check out the Derby fantasy draft that we did. It'll still be up there at that point. We'll have already have completed it. So you can go back and take a look. Uh, Caleb and Barry are going to hang out with the four of us. So we're literally going to do it just like you would do a fantasy snake draft. And we're going to go through the entire field of the Derby. So each one of the four of us will end up with five picks and we'll end up using the stable dual scoring system because we know that and it's sort of easy to uh, to formulate. So what I was able to do here, Matt, was get you on to pick your brain a little bit so I know which way you'll be thinking in the draft. And yeah. so I'm already playing mind games. I, had, I just thought about that a, minute, a few minutes ago and I was like, oh, I'm going to talk Derby with Matt. And so I'm like, I got to really, yeah, let, I got to really figure out who he's going to go with because I'm, I'm pick one in the draft I, later. That's what I was going to say though. I, I might benefit from this discussion right, a little bit right. because you're pick one. I'm not picking until four. Or I know. Five, so, I, know. Uh, I won't keep. I will, I'll give it away. I, I'll give stuff away. I don't. I don't mind. Uh, I'll keep. I won't keep anything close to the best here. So, uh, we've we've talked about a lot of these horses over the last yep. couple months. You and I talk a lot of racing every single week. So, who are some of the horses on your radar heading into the Derby? A couple that you might be yeah. using in exotics. Uh, how are you looking to play it? 
Yeah. I, I do think the, the I'll just say very quickly, I think the post draw didn't really kill anyone's chances. I think no. Epicenter might have, I think that three hole for Epicenter is a little concerning. Particularly forced him with, a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, especially with Summers tomorrow to his outside. I'm a little worried mm-hmm. about that. Uh, Mo Donegal on the inside, as I said to somebody, uh, I actually just want to watch Irad Ortiz Jr. bully his way through 20 horses in the field because uh, that's what's going to happen. So the stewards are going to have their hands full. I have a feeling at Churchill. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, because he's going to be that inside rail and just try to go mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, coming late because that's what Mo Donegal does. Um, I, I really do look at the 10 as Zandon. I mean, I just think this race, he yeah. got the I, one of the best post positions you can possibly get. That 10 post position has produced just about as many winners as any post position in Derby history. He likes, uh, he's bred and, and likes the moisture in the track, which there's going to be moisture in the track mm-hmm. on uh, on Saturday. It looks for sure. like as we're talking out, it looks like if they pushed back, I think, from Thursday to Friday. So there's probably going to be a good amount of rain Friday. Yeah. I think hopefully not as much Saturday, but it's it's going to be wet. Right? It's going to be a wet track. Yeah, there might not be yeah. a lot of rain for the Derby, but th- that track's going to have taken on a lot of rain mm-hmm. over the last 24 hours. Um, and then, quite frankly, in my opinion, he's got the best rider in North America right now. I, I think Flavian Pratt is just schooling people. So did his I, time. I mean, Doesn't it feel like his time he made the move and this would be like the moment for him to really put himself up on the national stage too with another big win like this for Chad Brown, then go be like, oh yeah, hey, I'm going to be Chad Brown's guy now right. all over the place, which he's kind of becoming. Yeah. And, and you know, he won with country house, but that was of course kind of a yeah. controversial, you know, he actually right. Second. He didn't really cross the wire first. Right. It's a DQ. So, uh, you know, and so I, it's one of those where I just, uh, Zandon's a horse I really like now, listen, in terms of, there's a ton of value in this race. I oh, think yeah. the fact, you know, Taiba 12 to one morning line is going to get hammered down. I, I am positive of that. You just got to uh, keep hearing more and more positives with people talking about Taiba, right. Yeah. And just, you look at speed figures and what the horse did from start one to start two. We talked about Mike Smith, just a few minutes ago too. The horse checks a lot of boxes. Just the the few boxes that they don't check are ones where it's like, okay, they're not very, they don't have a lot of experience. And yeah, we we don't see horses usually debut this late and win, but we've we've seen these like trends broken recently, especially yes, with the advent of the point system and yes. the way it it the way it uh benefits horses who win the bigger prep races and it's yes. backloaded to where those horses early on, it doesn't, you don't really have to start as early. No, you and, don't and try to pick up points. You don't. And, and I, I, one of the other things is, you know, when you, when you look at a horse like Taiba, it's, you know, he's got the ability to, I, I think, again, have a number, you got a good uh, post position. He's got a number of different uh, options in terms of how much he wants to go. Uh, you know, how, how aggressive does he want to be? What sort of trip does he carve out? I think the biggest concern, but you could say the same thing about Messier is what happens when these West coast horses who may not be on the lead come to a 20 horse field and now suddenly get shuffled back a little bit. They're five lengths behind instead of within two. Yeah. Or they're just bunched between horses instead of, you know, sitting comfortably outside of somebody, you know? And and so there's some questions there, but, but you're just not going to be able to answer until, but I think you could say those same questions about Zandon and Mo Donegal in terms of, well, it's easy to weave through eight or nine horses, try weaving through 16 or 18 horses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, what I'll say is, and I'm sure I'm tipping my hand a little bit here, but you probably know this as well, just like Kathleen O. The other horse I like at a big price is Simplification. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I, I think at 20 to 1, this is a horse that uh, won the Fountain of Youth. And I think just the race setup did not work out well at the Florida Derby, Classic Causeway, 
kind of uh, really fatiguing down the backstretch uh, and he and simplification inheriting a lead rather than taking a lead uh, was probably not beneficial. I think this horse is better sitting, you know, four through seven uh, rather than sitting two or pressing, three. Like yeah, pressing, like pressing almost. Yeah, yeah. I don't want him pressing. He's got a Jose Ortiz who I trust. Uh, you know, again, this horse, you talk about speed, yeah. hasn't broken the 100 uh, speed figure, but ran a 92 second race out. So this horse has natural speed. He's got a little uh, versatility and, to him. Yeah. And he he might be under the radar, you know? Well, at 20 in. to 1, he certainly is giving he you is, some right? value. And I don't and, think he's going to yeah. get bet off of that. No. Like, I think he's going to be in the 20 to 25 to 1 range or so. And that's, like, he, it's one of those things where he did not run poorly in the Florida Derby. And you just play the game where, like, okay, what price would he have been if he won the Florida Derby coming into right. this race, right? Where <laughs> he didn't run all that poorly in a race that he didn't need to win. Right. Because he already had the points uh, yep. locked up from the fountain of the youth, the fountain of youth win. He's yep. got a lot of foundation too, right? He's had he raced in. I don't know if I would want to play simplification in the Belmont, but, but right, right. <laughs> because he's because he's got a bunch of foundation. If he comes back and runs in the Preakness and then in the Belmont, because yeah. he's run in the Mucho Macho Man, the Holy Bull, the Fountain of Youth, and the Florida Derby, yep. all the Florida preps. I like that coming into a race like the Derby where you've got a lot of foundation. He didn't miss any of those, you know, big prep races or anything. Nope. So yeah, he's he's super honest. He's definitely going to be in the bottom of some of my exotics. Yeah, and and that's where I think he he probably should belong. And and mm -hmm. he's a horse that you, we talked about this because it happened at the. Uh, the Holy Bull, but he blew the break at the Holy Bull. And, yep. and so you watched him figure out on the fly how to come out and hit the board in a race where things did not go his way. Which and is I what like happens that. to a lot of horses in the Derby, right? It's going to happen not to used to it. Them. <laughs> and then a bunch of them are going to go, what, like you said, the ones that come over from those small fields and they're not used to it, they're going to go, what yep. the heck just happened? And, and I would even say, you could say that about Epicenter too, where Epicenter at the Louisiana Derby was very intentionally rating and kind of had the perfect trip. And so mm -hmm. there's a difference between this horse took some dirt in its face versus this Angled horse got out, its ass kicked. Right? Sit in a perfect <laughs> spot. Right. And, and all of a sudden, if they're not right. immediately out of the gate and that horse next to you, that's fast. Like you said, the, in the yeah. four hole comes over on you. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh Oh, yeah. Now you're back and all of a sudden you, you don't know if Epicenter's five lengths farther back, you know, when, yeah. when that's not really what we've seen from him. Can he still win there? Maybe, sure. But yeah, at a short price, do you want really want to take it? You know? Yeah. So and, and I think you that's where I am with um uh Cyberknife and White of Ario is I'm worried because uh classic causeways to their outside. And nobody breaks as well as classic causeway. And so that's the same so sort of thing where classic causeways out and over. And now you're already trying to figure out, okay, well, I got to hold back. You know, I, now where am I slotting in? Uh, and so I just worry about those two potentially and the trip they might get. So we'll see. Matt DeSantis, a very good friend of mine. We talk every single week, every Friday morning. You can come hang out with us this week. We actually won't have a show Friday because Oaks Day is so early. There's so much going on this weekend with Oaks and Derby, but we'll be back next weekend in our normal time, Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Matt, myself, our buddy Barry Spears, the sniper. We have a blast every weekend. Uh, it's it's one of my, the most fun hour to two hours I have each week, man. Honestly, I love talking races with the two of you. We get all set up on multiple tracks for Friday and for Saturday. We're always dishing out horses that are between like five and 20 to one. That that's the, like, that's the yeah. world that we're living in there. We're like never giving you anything that's underneath four to one or nine to two at the, at the, you know, shortest right around there, because yeah. we want to help you build your stable dual lineups. We want to give you some of those fun horses to use in your pick fours or pick fives that could, 
It can really have nice scores. So it has been such a blast, man. Over the last uh, half of a year or so, you've helped me yeah. with a lot of live streams. You've helped me out with the stable dual stuff. And it's been really fun getting to know you. I learn, I feel like each time we do a show, I learn a little bit more about you. Where I'm like, oh, <laughs> nice. Okay. Can't wait to talk more about that with Matt. So uh, thanks yeah. again, man. It's been, a, it's been a blast. And I look forward to uh, much more content together in the coming months and years. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Gino. That's uh, Matt DeSantis. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at failed to menace and go check out that Derby, the uh, fantasy draft that we did. It it will be a lot of fun. We're recording right before we do. You'll be able to check it out afterwards uh, leading up and see the thoughts of myself, Caleb, Barry, Matt, and how we sort of rank and stack up all of the horses in our particular tiers. So our Friday Kentucky Oaks coverage will roll on. We go from Matt DeSantis to Ryan Dickey helping us out with the Ali Sheba coming up next. Don't go anywhere. And that'll probably be one of the the races where you, you don't have maybe as big of a chance for value, but who knows? Now, now that we say that, that's where you get a, a major upset and things get crazy. But thanks to Matt for helping out. And a big thanks to one of the longtime sponsors of That's What She Said podcast, full-service realtor Cindy Carava, the website cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R. AVA.com now is a full service realtor. She can help you out in many different ways, like with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help just connect you to the right kind of uh, people if you're looking for home improvement, right? She can put you in touch with vendors that she knows and that she's worked closely with, gardeners, landscapers, painters. Maybe you need help with uh, getting pre-approved for a home loan. She'll connect you to a lender that knows that process that's going to make your life very easy in that department. That's what Cindy's job is. She's going to make things easy on you. She's kind. She's genuine. She's honest. She's one of the best people you will ever meet. I've known her personally for over a decade now. You don't want to be stressed out, worrying about... All these different things that you don't, you're not even realizing. You, they're not on your checklist. She's got them taken care of. And maybe you're not in the Southern California area. Don't worry. If you contact Cindy, she will find someone around you that she knows, that she trusts, and that will help you out. Check out the website CindyCarava.com. We're moving to the seventh race. It's the Grade Two Ali Sheba and Ryan Dickey. Joins me to handicap this one. Mile and a 16th on the main for older horses with Olympiad, the one to catch and beat. Let's get into the Ali Sheba with Ryan. Friday, Kentucky Oaks coverage rolls on. We are now up to race number seven for Friday, May the 6th. And we're going to take a look at the Ali Sheba. It's a grade two. They're going to go a mile and a 16th on the dirt. It's a really nice race with some older horses. Joining us, our good friend, handicapper, gambler extraordinaire, Ryan Dickey. Ryan, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing well, Gino. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think a couple years now. We're getting older, right? The the, the, the time flies by. It's at least, uh, I think, two to three different years that you've been here uh, helping out on, on some of our big either Derby Oaks or Breeders' Cup shows. And I'm if I recall correctly, I think you had some pretty good success with a, a nice price or two last time out. So let's keep it rolling. Well, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough this one. But before we get going, congratulations. Uh, you've done 300 shows. plus. Yeah, now. Man, thank you so much. It's been a blast. It's it started, you know, I uh, was sort of in between doing things. And I and I had a couple people that said, um, hey, if you do something, I'll sponsor you and I'll give you a few bucks. And so it was nice. Right off the bat, I knew I had a little bit of a base to help out. And I just wanted to sort of 
go in any direction and we've had a lot of fun it was always going to be sort of racing based but way more than racing and it's funny because i i find out with the numbers that if i do shows that are like only racing they sort of hit a certain point and if i do shows that have no racing they only hit a certain point so i always have to have a show with like some racing and then other sports and some some pop culture stuff and a little bit of fun right because otherwise it gets a little little boring and a little monotonous yeah I'm I'm sure I'm sure it does. Just you know, congratulations. Like I said, I remember when you first got started, and and 300. Wow, it's uh, you're getting well, up there, sir. <laughs> I know, Get, getting the gray and the grays are popping in each and every day in, in spots. I was like, oh man, there's another little patch up <laughs> popping up over there. So let's make some money this weekend. Let's jump into Friday, and we've got a really good race to talk about, Ryan. This is a good race for older horses. What's fun is we've got. One of the best older horses right now in training in Olympiad, who's won three in a row, and he looks like he's going to have a, a pretty good race here and good race shape because it doesn't seem like there's all that much speed. He might be the one to catch, and he's really classy, but you do have a couple other horses. They kind of look a lot like each other on paper, Wayburn and Folsom, who had pretty good years as three-year-olds. Then they were off for a while. They came back with monster races in their first start at four. So I thought we have a fun group here, a horse like Max Player, who got really good for a couple races, winning back-to-back graded stakes in a grade one last year. Nice little uh, middle-of-the-card grade two on Friday. Yeah, it's a mile and a 16th, grade two, Ali Sheba, four-year-olds and up. And uh, it's you know obviously named after Ali Sheba, your 1987 Kentucky Derby winner. Do you know where Ali Sheba had his first career victory? Oh, okay. I don't. Where? Turfway Park. Well, okay. Good info Turfway, there. Turfway Park, uh, September 14th, 1986, won a maiden special weight race at Turfway Park. Didn't win another race until the first Saturday in May. Wow. Ali Sheba, one uh, name that rings in uh, in racing lore. And... Uh, it's cool when we get the names for the for the stars there. We got any other? Uh, I, I love that you came with some Ali Sheba trivia and tidbits today. Love that. Yeah, uh, I don't think I have much more. I mean, obviously he ended his career winning the '88 Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, he won races at let's see, Turfway, Churchill, obviously, Creekness. He won uh, at Pimlico. He won at Louisiana Downs. Nice. Santa Anita three times in a row. Then he won at Monmouth, Belmont, uh, Belmont, and then he won a race at Meadowlands. Wow, love that. Ali Sheba, Sheba. who is uh, the namesake for race number seven. So, I mean, the conversation probably has to start with Olympiad in here, right? Yeah, so if if the weather holds off and this is a uh, dry, fast track, Olympiad wins this race. You could probably use Olympiad as your single. Um, But by looking at the the weather, it looks like it's not going to be dry. It looks like we might have a wet track. And therefore, there's a couple of other horses you have to use here. Before I get into the horses I think you should use, uh, there's two horses in this race who are well-known horses who I think are a play against no matter the weather. Number one is Max Player. I think Max Player has shown um, previously that he needs a race after coming off the shelf. This is his first race uh, coming off the layoff. And I don't think that he's going to be quite, you know, primed here. So let's see. It's 181 days since his last race uh, in the BC Classic. Obviously, he finished eighth, 20 lengths back. I think he's going to need a race before he gets into form. So maybe the weekend of the Belmont, mm-hmm. maybe that will be a horse that uh, you can you can key upon. The other horse that I'm I'm against here is number eight, Title Ready. I think Title Ready's uh, 
days in the uh, top echelon of the the racing world, I think, uh, are are done. I think this title ready is, uh, you know, he's seven years old right now. I just don't think that this is a good spot for this horse. I mean, he could still win a couple races maybe this year, but uh, his best days are behind him. So for me, on those two, completely agree. Completely agree because it feels like with Max Player, it does feel like this is a starting point for him. You know, his wins are at, he has a win at a mile, but then his other three wins are a mile and an eighth, a mile and a quarter, a mile and a quarter. Exactly what you said. He needs a race, and this is probably like a little short for him to really be able to to do what he started to do well. What was nice is when he was going longer, he was able to sit up a little bit closer, and I just don't think he's going to be able to do that in a race like this because they'll probably be a little quicker um, for him. But uh, Max Player, I'm against. Um, also feel like title ready probably has seen his best days. He's just more of a grinder and it just feels like he's a bit outclassed in here. So I agree. And exotics wise, I'm fine taking some swings against them. The uh yeah, the other two horses we you know, I, who I sort of mentioned when we started Wayburn and Folsom, they were both horses who were in some pretty good races last year at three. And we'll start with Wayburn. He you know, they both actually raced in the Pennsylvania Derby and then they both showed back up. On the same exact day, just at different tracks, and they both won stakes races that day. Wayburn was over at Gulfstream Park. He won the Sir Shackleton, and he came from off of it. Now, what's tough, I think, for both of them is they both looked good, but they both got great setups in those races. Like, really quick paces, and they came from off of them, so... You know, they they could be really nice horses this year, but it, it is tough in this particular race because they got perfect trips, and I don't think they're going to get those kind of trips in here. No, I think this is this this should be a, kind of a boat race. I think I, yeah. I believe that uh, Olympiad's going to get out near the front and probably stay there the whole time. Of those two that you mentioned between Wayburn and Folsom, I'm a little bit more interested in Folsom, and I think that if it is a dry track, fast track, I think you can have a, a just a straight exacta, cold exacta Olympiad over Folsom. I think the last race that he ran at um, Oaklawn on April second, he came off the shelf. He was on the shelf for 189 days. He came back. And beat Cezanne And he, he won by a neck that day But he was just getting cranked up I think So Folsom for me is my, my second choice in this race But if it's going to come out to be rainy and wet and everything like that You have to use Weyburn on top If you're going to play um, you know, horizontal wagers You're going to have to use Weyburn You're going to have to use Folsom um, I do believe that there's one more horse in here That you should probably use And that's the number 7 Happy Saver If the weather comes out you know, wet Happy Saver is a horse that could be sneaky um, for Pletcher. I, I think that if it's dry and fast, maybe he finishes third at best. But if it's wet, he could win the thing. So I agree. He, so for me, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't, I don't think that he's one that you should discount uh, if it's wet at all. No, he, I totally agree. I don't love him as much if it was fast and and conditions normal. Feels like he, I would, I want to see a, a race or two. It's not as if he's been bad in his last few, but he doesn't feel like he's just been quite as good as where he was in his in his first five starts, where he won all five of them. He is a a grade one winner, so really cool. Ali Sheba in the middle of the card. I mean, you've got Olympiad who they should all be chasing, and he's mm-hmm. no doubt the horse to beat in here. But if the weather comes up, or if for some reason you know somebody else decides to try to get aggressive and and maybe change the complexion of the race but what's hard about that is that olympiad will just go oh, okay i'll sit second mm-hmm. you know so right. that's a little it would he's to to beat him it's probably you know going to be in a tougher field in 
races where there's a lot more speed where he maybe has a tough post and he's kind of forced from the inside or where he's going to in between horses. It just feels like this race came up really great for him with his running style. Yeah. I, I think that if it, if it comes up dry, there's, there's no other horse that, that could claim yeah. uh, being, being the, the easiest of winners. I think Olympiad wins hands down, but uh, yeah, it's a funny thing. Funny thing that happens on race days. It is, and, and if you want to, like you said, if you want to play late pick fives, I think this is where your pick five starts that ends in the mm-hmm. Kentucky Oaks. You can single Olympiad there. You can play a couple different tickets like some some will, and you know maybe you play one bigger ticket where you single Olympiad, and then you try to turn it into a pick four, and you can spread out a bunch and use a, a bunch of others, and then you come back and play a, another small ticket where maybe you use one or two others and single your stronger opinions the rest of the way. We play an ice-cold exacta, like Ryan said, with the Olympiad Folsom, and just keep an eye on the uh, on the weather out there, I always like to mention because whenever this horse is in, I get to sing the uh, tap into the taste tapatio, a little soy tapatio up here. I I just think this is sort of a bad spot for him. He if he goes back out to Southern California and catches some of those softer graded stakes races against older, I actually think he can compete there. He 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 tried the big cap after a couple races that weren't bad. He threw like three races in a row together. He's lost twice to a horse named Shaz. If you're playing Olympiad on top, I would throw Soy Tapatio under two in in like you know exact as try supers because what's nice at least with him Ryan is he's got a little bit of speed positionally. So maybe he can sit like second or maybe Pratt, who's a great rider, just tries to get aggressive and puts him out front. Olympiad sits. Maybe this horse can hang around for third or fourth and and spice things up a little bit. Yeah, for deep exotics, this is definitely a horse you want to use. So that is race number seven on Friday, the Ali Sheba. But while we have Ryan here, we have to pick his brain a little bit on the Oaks and the Derby. The big race is coming up this weekend. The Oaks, first uh, up, Ryan came up really strong this year. There's a group of four or five fillies that – I mean, you could make a case for any one of them. The uh, the Twitter uh, horse racing Twitter has been very funny to see the reactions to the uh, the morning lines for some of these races. Like some people think they're way off and and crazy. But uh, give us a, a a minute or two, or maybe uh, some thoughts on the Kentucky Oaks. Who you like? Uh, how you're looking to play the race? Uh, tell us what you're thinking when it comes to the Oaks. I've been looking forward for this race for quite some time. Uh, it did draw the four or five. Uh, Phillies that we thought were going to be the top contenders here. And it's, it's a really good race on paper. And the horse that I liked the best coming into it was Kathleen. O. but a couple things to think about there is uh, she put in a really, really strong effort last time. She is a candidate for a bounce. And if you look at her time form, uh, I'm sorry, her third graph, um, there's a good chance that she mm-hmm. could bounce to the moon, yeah. uh, which doesn't make me feel good. And then I saw some pictures of her at the track at Churchill and she just looks a little, little thin, little not filled out. So I, I wonder how much her, her last very, very impressive race, uh, took out of her. So I'm, I'm going to shy away from her, even though it's a horse that I was really looking forward to playing because I thought I could get a good price. I'm not going to get cute. In the uh, Oaks, I think there's two horses that stand out above the rest, and that's the number one secret oath and the number four nest. Um, who should be the favorite? I don't care. They should. It's they're, they're one two, and for me, those are the two I'm going to use when I play my um, Oaks and Derby doubles. I'm just going to use secret oath, secret oath, and nest. And if somebody else beats me, like a hidden connection or something like that, so be it. Um, when you look at the draw. You go one, two, three, four, five. 
those are the horses I'm going to use. I'm going to use the one through five horses. I'm going to put one and four on top and then underneath one, two, three, four, five and one, two, three, four, five. And I'm rolling with it. And, and the, I'm glad you mentioned the, the two that's the, of the not obvious top horses. I thought the two would be one that I might sneak in, but I, I'm, I feel the same way that you do with nest and secret oath. I feel like they are the ones that, you know, where they drew, how they're coming into this race. They feel like they may be sort of, Peaking I thought Secret Oath's race against the Boyds was really good last time out And I think it's a great spot for her Here her and Nest are going to be on all my Tickets too I'm going to throw Nostalgic In a couple others in the Oaks So really good Oaks this year Isn't it funny we're talking about Echo Zulu who's 5 for 5 and Undefeated and she won the Breeders Cup Juvenile Phillies last year she came back she won her Race this year she's done nothing wrong but neither One of us really love her all that much in this spot if this race was last year, I would bet her with both fists. But mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they develop a little quicker than others. She developed quicker. She was a very, very good two-year-old. She's probably going to be a solid three-year-old filly this year. But in this race, I think Secret Oath and Nest are, are one, one, two, and I think they're, I think they're heads above. I feel the same way, Ryan, in the Oaks. So let's shift on over to the big one on Saturday. You told us the first half of your Oaks Derby double. Uh, What's the second half of your Oaks Derby double going to look like? I I like Messier the most. I think Messier is my top choice to win the Derby. Uh, If anybody's been following me around on Twitter for any length of time, they probably wonder why I feel that way. But I feel that way because I think he's the best horse in the race. Um, I like Zandon also the number 10, but his odds are going to be a little bit low for me, especially if mattress Mac comes in and puts <laughs> 3 million on him. That's going <laughs> to really, really make me sad. So please mattress Mac, please bet epicenter because I'm not, um, you have to use Taba. I mean, if you're going to use Messier, you're going to have to use Taba, mm-hmm. um, charge it. I think charge it is a horse that it's going to be overlooked a little bit here. I agree. Lightly uh, raced. It was a pretty impressive Florida Derby effort. You're going to be, there's not that much speed. I know with class Causeway coming back in, there's a little more, but this horse showed he can kind of sit. I think he'll be able to kind of get up in that first sort of group and maybe stay out of some trouble. Yep. And now here's, I'm going to introduce a new term to horse racing Twitter. So everybody pay attention here. Early drum roll. The, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Early uh, when the Derby contenders, when all the all the um, prep races are done, and there's that three week stretch where there's nothing. Everybody talks about who's going to be the wise guy horse, and is it going to be this guy, the wise guy horse, and this guy's the wise guy horse? And then people say, "Oh, this is it," and they say, "This is it." But every year, closer you get to the actual race. There's always a late wise guy horse, and I have a late wise guy horse in this year's Kentucky Derby, and it's the number five, Smile Happy. I was not in this horse's um, camp for for a very long time. I didn't think the distance was going to be there for him, but the draw and the way that uh, he looks on the track, I think Smile Happy, I'll take 20-plus to one on him all day long. So for me, it's the five, the six, the eight, the 10 and the 12. So two, two Oaks horses, six Derby horses for my, for my uh, Oaks Derby double. You know, it's funny. I feel really similar about smile happy just in a few weeks ago. I I was sort of looking at him like a horse that I was going to try to beat. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then I look back and it's like, He's like nobody's really talking a whole lot about him. He's not really getting a whole lot of buzz. If he would have won the bluegrass, he would have probably been your favorite. 
were right like right there in the conversation with Epicenter. You know, coming off of that and and Zandin was was better than him that day, but it wasn't as if he ran poorly. And with Zandin's running style, you know, he's a little bit more likely to get into some trouble. I like that Smile Happy showed he can sit a little bit closer if he has to. He's going to be a horse that I'm definitely going to throw into my pick threes, pick fours, my derby oaks doubles, like you just did. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Smile Happy, late wise guy horse. I know the late the late <laughs> wise guy horse. Hopefully we are uh, we are wise. And ready to rock Ryan man it's always so much fun uh, Catching up with you every time we do I, I always uh, end going man we don't we don't catch up uh, Often enough so I'll have to get you back to talk some more Sports and uh, you know during football Season we could talk a little football or Any other uh, any other uh, sports That you're uh, that you're watching and you're playing I always Love to uh, to dive in and pick your brain man you do a Great job handicapping the races and uh, Love uh, love following you out there on social media Right back at you sir thank you Very much for having me I appreciate it Thanks so much, buddy, and you have a fantastic uh, rest of your weekend. Uh, your rest of your week. We're actually still uh, yeah. early in the week. I'm already. I'm already onto the weekend. We're already fast forwarding <laughs> to uh, to Friday and to Saturday. Thank you so much, buddy. Good luck. Thanks. All right. That's Ryan Dickey, and uh, we will continue on with the Friday. Don't go anywhere, folks. Friday Oaks Day rolls on. So you want to set the mood? You're looking for something all natural, soy wax. Non-toxic, baby. Since for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. Z-E-R-A-Candles.com And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm-hmm. So a uh, big thank you to Ryan for helping us handicap that one. Ryan's been on a few of our shows now over the last couple of years helping us on the big days. I'm I'm kind of treating so Olympiad's the horse to beat. He's the one they'll all have to catch and beat, no doubt. I'm I'm sort of treating Wayburn, Fulsome, and Olympiad as my top tier of horses in here. And I'm little against Max Player, a little against Happy Saver, and maybe I'll use some soy tapatio underneath. So I'll stack them two, five, six. And uh, and try to beat maybe the one max player and happy saver in some of the the multis. And if you're looking for an underneath price, maybe Soy Tapatio can sit a pretty nice trip in a race that there's just not all that much speed signed on on paper. Well, that is race number seven for Churchill Downs on Friday. Let's continue on. We move to race number eight. It's the Grade Two Edgewood. Three year olds. We have three year old fillies going a mile and a sixteenth in here, and. Ryan Flanders, Benny South Street, the head honcho from Trip Note Pros there. Sharp, sharp handicapper. Watches a ton of replays. So we had some fun diving into race number eight for Friday on the Churchill Downs undercard. And then we also shared some Oaks and Derby thoughts from uh, from Benny South Street. Up next, Trip Note Pros here on That's What G Said. Continuing on the Friday Kentucky Oaks undercard. We are on May the 6th and joining That's What G Said podcast for the first time is someone who I've been meaning to have on this show uh, many, many times. I've spoke with him a couple different times on live streams and I'm a big fan of the work over at Trip Note Pros. I'm talking about Benny South Street, Ryan Flanders, one of the sharper handicapper and uh, Trip Note players, replay watchers that you're going to find out there. Thanks so much for taking some time out in a busy week, buddy. How you doing? Got it, man. This is uh, it's like Christmas Disneyland all wrapped into one. It's a great week to be a horse racing fan, especially when you're someone like um, I- I'm, someone that very much enjoys the replay process, the watching them like you are. If you don't enjoy the process, 
or during a week like this, well, this isn't for you, right? You got to really like all the work. And, and that's something that I really admire about you is there's no quick get rich scheme. There's nothing that we're trying to like a formula here. It's just putting in the work because the more you do, you're going to maybe find something that other people didn't. Absolutely correct. I'm a big believer that replay watching is is pretty much the last remaining element in finding value in horse playing. There's so many things that are are baked into the price, you know, that everybody uses. So just trying to get an edge, and I'm a visual person anyway. I have a hard time making any plays if if what I'm looking at, um, you know, I'm just the paper stuff. You know, there. There's so many angles and so much that you can miss just on paper. But when I see that horse running you know, visually on the track, it means a lot to me. Now tell us uh, about trip note pros and, uh, and what we can get and some of the, the stuff that you have going on this week on the, the big Oaks Derby week. Yeah, the, this is a, it's a tough one. I just finished up with the, uh, with the Oaks card, uh, 108 trip notes. So basically what we're doing is, <laughs> yeah. 108 horses is a lot. There, there are some that we don't do, right? So long layoff horses, trips aren't really applicable, and you've got some foreigners and what have you. But uh, for the most part, 90% of the horses uh, will be at tripnotepros.com. Um, it's pretty simple, man. We're just we're just uncovering uh, the, the nuggets. We focus on things like jockey intent and horse comfort, subtle bad trips, that wouldn't show up on, on paper anyway. You know, a lot of times you can have a terrible trip, for example, in a turf sprints. I, I like to talk about this one the most because it's, it's easy to describe. You, you get a horse that is maybe uncovered uh, and heading into that turn three wide as the pace quickens, that horse is fighting centrifugal force. He's being asked to gain while he's being steered to the left, uh, trying to, to maintain that center of gravity. It's just a terrible trip that that most people don't really consider when they're watching. So all kinds of things like that that we're uh, trying to uncover to, to offer up value on the tote board. And like with any good product, when the product is good, it's going to catch on with all sorts of places. We're seeing uh, ads for Trip Note Pros pop up all over the place. Keeneland, we saw stuff. Uh, Santa Anita, you see all over the place. Now over at TVG with some of my old friends there. So it's like anything, the hard work. People are really appreciating it. And it's a great feeling when um, someone comes back to you after and says, hey, Benny, man, I, that horse that you mentioned, I threw that horse in my pick four and I pick five. I made five grand, 10 grand. That's a great feeling to know that you help someone just kind of find something and maybe even more than giving them a pick, you sort of teaching habits, right? Things to look for. Just like you mentioned, little, little small things in trips that might be hidden that in teaching someone or passing on the knowledge that you've learned from other people that passed it on to you you are giving them the tools to go forward on their own and, and figure that out the next time. Totally true. So it's a huge time save for people. So if you're an avid horse replay, you know, handicapper, this is going to be a huge time save for you. You can just, we've got a summary section. You can scroll through, see the ones that maybe you want to take a second glance at and then turn on your computer and watch the replays yourself and see if what you think, uh, is validated by what we've written. Uh, and then it's almost like a tutorial, right? So if you're, if you're not big into watching replays, you might get a, a good feel for somebody that 
has watched over 140,000 replays in the last 18 months. We put in a ton of work and, <laughs> and uh, we're trying to save everyone the time. So, and absolutely correct. So last year with the Oaks, I want to say we had several members take down the pick five. We had, of those that I know about, we had almost 150,000 in caches uh, in the early pick five in the Oaks last year. So certainly some things that, that go uncovered those are the ones that offer the biggest prices on a tote. Okay, let's uh, dive on into some of the good racing coming up this weekend. So we're talking about this a little early in the week. We're on Wednesday. We know that the weather might change the complexion of things. So from our conversation, we're talking about a grass race, and we'll talk about it like it's going to be on the grass and remain as intact as possible. We're looking at the grade two Edgewood, which is on on the Friday undercard. It's race number eight. We've got three-year-old fillies in here. And, uh, you know, turf races, you can you can find some of those hidden trips. Uh, pace is always uh, an interesting thing in grass racing, too, because nowadays we, we see very few up, few times where there's uh, aggressive handling in some of these grass races. Um, how are you seeing this race shape up? Who are some of the horses that are on your radar in the Edgewood? Well, it's an interesting race from a pace perspective because there's just not a whole lot of speed in there. And the two horses that look to possibly control the race, I'm not a big fan of. And those would be Spicer and My Philly Twirl. I thought they both had very good trips last time. I agree. Um, Perfect kind of trips, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm I'm probably going to fade those anyway. Uh, you know, Dolce Zell had a good trip last time, but she really was game and trying to run down who I think is you a gave, brilliant you gave, Not to interrupt, but you gave her out before she won her second race when she was a pretty good price. We were talking with uh, with Chappie. We were previewing that big first Saturday for uh, at Santa Anita in a Gulfstream, and you were very high on her before she won that second race as like, just keep an eye on this one. She's going to be really good. Spenderella's a, a brilliant three-year-old filly. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, she's undefeated. Yep. I think she's three for three. Yep. Um and she, she does it all. She's got speed if she wants it. She can pass. Uh, she's legit. So while Dolce Zell did have a good trip, she did nothing wrong in trying to turn, trying to run down a, a, a classy one. So she would be a use for me. Um, Beechnut Trophy. Beechnut Trophy did not have a good trip last time. She was cautiously ridden, uh, trying to get out of a tight spot in the turn, and then kind of had that same – cautious uh ride in the stretch where she was being hemmed in and not until the horse that was hemming her in backed out did she have a clear trip and she only had about a 16th of a mile and she really exploded late so she's got a nice turn of foot which we like to see from turf runners um if not for that she'd be three for three on grass which is something i always look for she's legit she would probably be a use um yeah, Those she's a must. She's a must use for me to. too. Yeah, she she was a must use for all, all the reasons that you mentioned, right? Like she's done so little wrong. One of her losses when she was beat by a neck on the synthetic actually came against the boys. Also, she could be set for her best with the third start of the form cycle. On top of that troubled trip last time out, so yeah, she she figures and she's definitely going to be in the uh, exotic mix for me too. I think Dream Lith is a little bit interesting. Um, she's bred for it, and she did have a workout over the Churchill Turf Course. Um, I, I would have to think that Diodoro liked the work. Otherwise, she wouldn't show up here. I'm not real big on the on the outside draw and no speed in a race that doesn't seem to have a whole lot of injection of pace. But she's a little bit interesting. 
And New Year's Eve, from a trip's perspective, wasn't all that great of a trip last time either. There's a couple things that went on in the stretch that are not noted in the PPs. Um, she was herded outward in a tight spot and pretty game to the wire. And pretty game to the wire, although she was defeated. Um, but because I don't think all that much of the four uh, knees, knees and hips is that is that the name? I think so. It feels like knees something that my son sings in one of his shows like head shoulders knees and toes oh, knees and hips you know like <laughs> i feel like i hear something like this in the videos that he's watching sometimes that's <laughs> funny yeah so that one's a little bit interesting from a last trip perspective but i think the other is just a little bit better so uh, interesting that she gets blinkers who knows maybe she was kind of held up at the back uh last time so saez who knows maybe he plays the break and if she jumps running uh, she could she could find her way to a forward position. What do we do with McCulloch, who uh, is coming off of a, a little bit of a layoff, has not raced since October, and whether or not she wins, I did want to mention and uh, talk with you a little bit about because I've I've seen you sing the praises, and as someone who prides themselves on watching a lot of trips, I think if you are someone who watches a lot of replays, it would be hard not to be very impressed with Flavian Pratt and stack him right up towards the top of the the best riders in the world. I think he is just fantastic. And maybe it's not in this race. It, it might be in the Derby where he's on a very, very live one there. This feels like it could be a weekend where it may be a real coming out party for him, where he just kind of goes and does what I think you think he's going to do. Hey, everybody, look, it's me. I'm the guy. He, he is the guy. I'm the, I'm the, president of his fan club mm -hmm. <laughs> self-proclaimed but he just does nothing he does nothing wrong uh, i think he's smarter than everybody you you'll get a good tr he, he did not ride dolce zell last time but if you watch that ride it's a beautiful ride uh by irad and pratt does this every time he's always targeting the right horse so anybody can get on a horse and say oh i want to sit the pocket trip on turf Pratt doesn't always do that. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. He will. He he's constantly making the right decision. He uses horses to create paths for him on grass, which is just a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, watch the Eddie Reed last year. What he did on United does not get enough credit. It's just a beautiful thing. He's strong. He rides well with both hands. Um, when he comes off the turn, he does a great job not lugging in off the turn. Um, I've seen him at the, uh, or I take that back. I did not see him, but I've heard stories of him at the beach in Del Mar with a parachute on his back, running through the wind. And like he's really big into fitness. I know he's extremely strong. He's got a very good left hand. Uh, I just think, I think the world of him, everyone's got a, a knock or two that I can pick out uh, when writing and I can't find any with him. No, he, he never, or very rarely is losing because of something he did it's because he doesn't have the horse even the best jockeys sometimes you can see they put horses in a bad spot or they'll get a little bit too cute and he just like he's the clock in his head the the decision making the split second do i go do i sit nope let's get aggressive here oh nope i'm gonna sit a little bit off he just all of the decisions that he makes are just really, really fantastic. I, I can't sing his praises enough, and I, I love uh, seeing you praise him too because this is someone who I'm glad that is now getting the opportunities that he deserves to be on some of the best horses out there. Could be a massive weekend for him. Do you think uh, McCulloch's got a shot in here? I do. That, that's a So that's a big angle for me. Um, the two-year-old 
that has that time to mature and shows up at three is always, always a huge move up. So assuming she's right, which I have to believe that she is, she shows up in a grade two for Chad, who, who's very patient. She's got to move way up. I'm not a big speed figure guy anyway, especially on grass. Grass races are about pace. They're about flow uh, and they're about trip. So that low speed, those low speed figures relative to the rest of the field don't bother me at all. And and they're actually that first that debut at Saratoga puts her right not too far back anyway. So uh, I don't have the morning line. I print my forms uh, too early to get it, but I'm assuming she's going to be a short number, and she has every right to win as well. Yeah, she'll she'll be in the mix. I think we've she's at like seven to two or so, and that's probably you know, and like where she'll be, she's right there. She's going to take some money. Uh, Dolce Zell will take money Spicer, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not as quite on high as Spicer. The horse that we uh, both mentioned uh, beach nut trophy is 10 to one on the morning line. And uh, in anything, I think on, in like the six plus range would be, you know, very nice value or and worthy of a, you know, a win wager or a, any, any type of exotic wagers there before we get into the, uh, the big main events, anything else about this race you want to mention? Prayer. <laughs> right Where hopefully we we find our way to the winter circle let's do it let's do it okay well while we've got you we have to uh pick your brain on the big races this weekend real nice group of fillies signed on for the kentucky oaks usually it's derby that i'm the most excited for but the last couple months and leading up uh, to the oaks we've seen a lot of these fillies really get dominant in their uh in their local uh contingents and now now they come on out and they all meet up you have a strong opinion in one of them or there's kind of like a top four that feels like they're being established uh, as far as the betting will be concerned. You know, I've got several negatives in this race um, of the 15 horses, including the also that are in here. Um, I've got strong negatives on eight of them just from a trips perspective, which I love seeing. So a lot of times I go through a race and we've got several positives, which I hate. Because if I can make a case for several runners, it's it's almost a pass for me. But in mm-hmm. this race, I've got several negatives. So I'll probably jump in, at least dip my toe into the to the Oaks Der- Derby double. Uh, Secret Oath is interesting. You know, she ran against the boys last time. It doesn't show on paper, uh, but she was in just a miserable spot on the backstretch. She was wide. She was in between. And she got a very cautious ride. She sucked back out to last and lost all position versus a compact field and then made a blitz in the turn. She had a very sharp turn of foot. Uh, She got into a threatening position. Vic Stauffer was freaking out, uh, (laughs) calling the race. It was a really impressive move. And then she predictably flattened. So she would be a use for me. Um, I don't like, I'm not a big fan of the, of the rail draw, but I I would think, um, I would think that she's got to be a decent price versus some of these others. Nest actually had a bad trip last time. That doesn't show. She she had a bad start, which doesn't show up on paper. And she hated the kickback, which doesn't show up on paper. And it forced Ira to make an early move into that first turn to get wide. And she remained wide all the way around. Um, she blitzed the field in the stretch and then was completely anchored on the gallop out with a plan. Obviously, I read knew that what he had under him and he's like, you know, I'm going to save for another day. So he pretty much didn't even permit a gallop out for her. Uh, today's today's the goal. Um, she's she's a monster. So I, I like her a lot. I'm going to fade Echo, uh, Echo Zulu. Um, I don't know what the morning line is on her. She's undefeated. 
and she's legit, but uh, she's going to be a fade for me. What do you yeah, think she, about I her? Complete, the three that you just mentioned, I, I completely agree on all three of those. I think I've got Secret Oath and Nest as sort of a top tier that I, I've got, and I'm I'm just cold on Echo Zulu. She's, I think, 4-1, to one, and she'll probably be in that 7-2 to two range. Like There'll probably be four fillies that are all in the like 3-1 to one to 6-1 to one range in between those three and then Kathleen O to the outside. And I'm just Kathleen not... Kathleen O's legit, too. Yeah. She's nice. She's she's not done any... I mean, it's really hard to knock her. I I think of all of them, I'm the coldest of on Echo Zulu. And just... I wasn't quite visually as impressed. The race didn't come back all that strong. And I would like to see a little bit more progression. And it's not as if she's done anything wrong. I just think that a couple of these others have surpassed her. There's a couple others that are very, very nice. Some years... She would be coming into this as a very logical favorite, but there are three or four others, the two that you just mentioned, that are really, really legit. You know, Kathleen O, for me, is going to be a – I'm definitely going to use that. If you watch that race, there's a couple things that go on there. Um, the horse that ran second, uh, who was that? God something or other. Goddess of Fire. Thank you. Goddess of Fire. Got a brilliant ride by Saez. He was always trying to get first run on Kathleen O, and he did. And she fired, and Kathleen O ran her down pretty easily. I'm not surprised that Saez jumps off. And, and that, that's pretty telling for Secret Oath as well. He had a live mount uh, in Goddess of Fire, and, and he flees. I think he knows he can't beat Kathleen O on the mount that he had. So that kind of bumps up the stock for me for Kathleen O. A nice group of three-year-old fillies in the Oaks. Let's uh, let's head over and talk about the boys in the Derby. That's going to be on Saturday. Do you have a, a strong opinion there, or uh, what are uh, what are some of the, the the trip notes telling you? Well, what's interesting to me is you've got two former Baffert trainees that have triple-digit buyers, and if the name was Bob Baffert in the program, they would be the top two choices. In all likelihood. Yeah, they would. You know, so from a value perspective, uh, I can't knock either of those. I didn't like uh, Taba or Taiba's workout. Um, so that would be a fade for me. Uh, but I do think Messier had a sneaky trouble trip in the Santa Anita Derby. He was off just a hair slow and did all the dirty work. He kept a very fast Forbidden Kingdom, honest, um, predictably tired a little bit late, but that one, that one to me did did much of the dirty work and, and is deserving of some extra credit. The one that I think is sneaky that I haven't heard anybody talk about is the Japanese horse Crown Pride. This horse worked, I think, came home in like twenty two and two or something recently, and this very fast workout at Churchill. Um, so depending on what you think, if you think, you know, that's too much work before the Derby or, or it's really like, wow, that was impressive. Summer is tomorrow is very, very fast. Could compromise. The, these are a team, right? They're mm-hmm. trained by the same people, uh, by the same conditioner. I would have to think that that one of them is going to blast off and potentially do some of the heavy lifting. And I think Crown Pride might just be legit uh, at a huge number. Crown Pride is a horse who there's been just a little bit more um, people kind of raising their eyebrows like you have with the way this horse has been training. And the 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 major 
it, this would be a very good thing for racing in the coming years if a Japanese horse were to win the Kentucky Derby because they would continue like they've already done it, but they would put a bunch more money into American racing like we've seen. And what it would do is it would give American racing a little bit of a kickstart, a little kick in the butt to go like, hey, we may need to change some of the things in the way that we uh, we breed the horses or some of the things that are important to us out here because they run a really, really good racing program here. And we have seen it's not maybe it's not this horse, but it it's not going to be too far off in the future before uh, one of these Japanese horses win. We've seen them win big races now all over the world in just the last year. Yeah, they're dominating. Can't help you know if you're if you're watching racing all over, you're, you're noticing Japanese horses winning huge races. They had a very nice Breeders' Cup at, at uh, Del Mar last year. You see them in Dubai; they're winning. They're winning. You know, they're winning all over. So. Uh, there's no reason why this one can't pop up at a big price. Uh, I do believe that Mattress Mac is going to be playing Epicenter. And that'll, that's I, when I, things flip the other way. That's when everybody gets a little bit higher than they should. So we'll, we'll see what happens on the tote board. Um, but if that does happen the way that I think it will shake out, if a little birdie told me that, um, yeah, that I think everyone else is going to be valuable. I can't knock Zandon at all. I thought his race was very, very special at Keeneland. Uh, compact field, took a ton of kickback. Not an advantageous pace to be coming off the pace and uh, just roared down the middle of the track. So, And he's got our boy, Pratt, on there. So, you know, I heard Mike Smith once made a very interesting comment, and it stuck with me. He said, you know, in the Derby uh, – it takes a heady rider because these horses that get tired quick really come up on you fast and you've got to have a plan and you've got to be prepared uh, to find, you know, clear sailing and uh, a, a good jockey's uh, a big bonus. And I love Pratt. So Xander will be a play for me as well. Yeah, it's just, it just feels like it was, it's the moment right now for him. He made the move, you know, like he, he had a good Keelan me and he's got all these big mounts this weekend. It just, I wouldn't, it would not be surprising at all to see him in the winter circle there. I agree. Zandon is going to be on, uh, on most of my exotic tickets, any, any kind of rolling stuff that I'm playing. And uh, we will be diving in to trip note pros for any uh, help that we need. Tripnotepros.com. You can give, Benny, a follow at B South Street on Twitter. And there's also a, a, a handle for uh, Trip Note Pros on social media, too, right? There is. Yeah. We've got Trip Note. It's at Trip Note Pros. And then I can't remember what our Spanish one is. You know, we're, we're trying to get that going as well. I, I think there's a, a huge gap for the Spanish speaking fans, which obviously they're not going to be listening to you unless they're <laughs> bilingual. Um, but yeah, we, we've got a Spanish handle as well. That's great. Uh, always expanding. I love the work that you do over there. And uh, like I said, this is a, a long time in the making of, I've been a big fan of, uh, of seeing you uh, really in the last year or two of you just like seeing um, you all over the place, talking with you here and there and, and looking at some of your work, big fan and uh, always appreciate all the time that you put in. Thank you so much for carving out a few moments to come hang out with us. Anytime, Gina. Thanks for having me. Good luck this weekend. Enjoy the, enjoy the Friday and Saturday. It's a big one. Absolutely. We'll have to uh, head on out to Santa Anita one day with Chappie and, uh, and, and throw a couple back. I'll, uh, I'll come hang, up with, uh, hang out with you guys in, uh, in one of the suites up there.
uh, you don't have to twist my arm. <laughs> Thanks so much. We'll be giving you a, a follow there. Uh, this is a very, very sharp handicapper gambler, folks. So if you're not following right now, make sure you do so. You will be learning a lot from this gentleman. Don't go anywhere. We still have a lot to discuss as we continue on on the big weekend. So as a couple of fellows who like to watch a lot of replays, we saw the race pretty similarly. And just looking at Beachnut Trophy as a horse who had some legitimate trouble last time out, I'll be playing Beachnut Trophy all over. I'll use, I'll use Dolce Zell all over the place to chase the, the very nice Spenderella. If you wanted to go a little deeper, my next tier would be two and three. I, I like McCulloch a little bit better. I would throw at the two my Philly twirl at least in underneath spots because she's pretty honest and there isn't that much speed in here. So I'll stack them seven, five, three, two in the Edgewood race number eight on the Churchill Downs Friday undercard. Let's keep the ball rolling. We move from race number eight to race number nine and we're going to talk with Chappie. Here, Jeff Chapman from over at Santa Anita. Race number nine is the eight bells. So we talk this race and then uh, some Oaks and Derby thoughts with Chappie. We are continuing on through the Friday undercard as we get to race number nine. It's the eight bells. But when you're hanging out on Saturday morning and you're getting all ready for uh, for Derby Day, you're going to want to tune in to the Morning Line Sports Show because Chappie and Skippy and Hal, they're going to get you all set up for a big, big Saturday of racing. What's nice, uh, Chappie, is our, our good friend Jeff Chapman joins us. You'll be actually on during the first couple races of Churchill. So you'll get a good idea of what the weather is like, what the track looks like, and you'll be able to sort of relay that information to everyone Saturday morning. Yeah, exactly. We've got um, the first race starting at, I believe, 7.30 Pacific, and we will be on from 8 to 9. So like you said, you know, we'll give a little bit of an idea. This weather is going to be so crazy, it looks like, in Kentucky this weekend. But at least we'll have somewhat of an idea of how the track has been playing and also, just to let you know, uh, Jay Pribman, who's very sharp and has actually been in Kentucky for the last couple of weeks and does the show after ours from 9 to 10, is actually going to come on as our first guest awesome. from Kentucky cool. to give, give us a little bit of an idea live from the races of not only how maybe anything has been playing, but he's had his eye on the Derby horses for the last couple of weeks. So just give us some insight that none of us could actually have. Santa Anita has a really nice Saturday car too. They've got 10 races on tap. So there's plenty. There's no, I don't want to hear anybody saying they didn't find any action or they didn't find any races or horses they like this week. Even if you don't like the Derby or the Oaks, there are plenty of different places where you, I'm sure you can find something you like. And you know what, Gino, besides that, uh, between you and I and, skipper when we did our seminar last week we did a little preview show and then you being a guest on the morning line sports show every week uh we've we've, we've been quite hot giving out some prices over the last month so yes hope it continues buddy absolutely we've been seeing the ball really really well and that's what's great about the the handicapping shows and stuff like what we do i think sometimes people will Get there. We're all horse. We have all all have egos as horse players, right? It's like oh, I don't want to hear what somebody else has to say. I just because someone tell or you you hear what someone says, it doesn't mean you have to change everything you're doing. I think the best way to to use shows like what you guys do, what I do here, is you're listening to it. You got it on in the background while you're doing your handicapping, while you're putting your stuff together, and then someone mentions a horse that might not be on your radar. You look down. You go, Wow, that horse is ten to one. 
that makes a little bit of sense. Boom, you throw them in your pick four or pick five, and that's I think that's the point of these. It's not necessarily to to make you think, hey, everything that you thought was wrong, you got to do it this way. I I like to use the shows and the information I get mainly to add more than to subtract. No question about it. And, and I'll tell you another thing too is, um, you know, I'm, this goes for all handicappers, but especially between you and I and Skip, we we both like to watch our own replays and workouts, but there's sometimes, you know, you miss something, something got through the cracks. You don't have enough time in the day where once somebody else picks something up and that at least gives you the assist, enough, right? right to, or, or to go back and look for, look at it yourself and then maybe say, Oh, wow. I can't believe I missed that. Or maybe, Oh, I see what they're saying, but I'm still going to go in a different direction, but it really does help quite a bit to get other people's opinions. And then when you, when you respect their opinions and then, you know, form your own or add something in that you might have missed. Okay, so Chappie's going to help us out with uh, with the eight bells, which goes as race number nine on Friday, and then we're going to get a, a quick thought on the uh, the Oaks and the Derby still early on in the week with a lot of things that can change now with the the weather, as we said. But Chappie, uh, as, as we've talked many times about the races in race number uh, nine, you know, one of my personal favorites ends up showing up in here. And uh, a horse that I've I've chased the last couple times in Southern California, and she may be in the race is tough. It's going to be a, a tough spot, but I really do like the spot for her if she's ready and she's as good as she was last year. It I'm talking about the number four ain't easy, a horse who I played in the Santa Anita Isabel in in the Santa Anita Oaks, and she kind of ran like you would have expected in those spots. Not quite as good as a couple of the others, and she looked like she needed it. This cutback should be interesting, and there is a good amount of speed in here. I'm sort of looking for horses who I think can just be sitting off a tad bit. She may be in that spot. Yeah, I've kind of of narrowed it down to three horses, at least that I want to talk about for now. It's a little bit early. Like you said, we got to kind of see how the track's playing and, you know, whether speed's holding on. Is it sloppy? Is it not? But what I did is basically – kind of went the way where you just you just explained i i see a lot of speed in here so mm-hmm. the three horses i'm kind of kind of keying in on at the moment would be your horse ain't easy who we are familiar with and you know me i'm i'm much more of a southern california type of guy mm-hmm. only but um i think ain't easy and the nine awake at midnight are both going to appreciate the cutback absolutely to seven furlongs, um, and then the other horse I was going to talk about to to round out my three would be the eight, uh, Maitarea or however you pronounce that. And she's who, yeah, she's drawn well too, right? Because she's got some speed, but she's towards the outside of the speed. So I, if if she has to sit the kind of trip that she sat like exactly in her last race, where she's like a little bit off and then she moves early, I really trust Pratt in that situation. No question. Like you said, I, 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 a lot of it has to do with the jockey. Obviously, this horse is super talented. Are there other super talented horses in here? Yes. But that is the type of post position jockey and a horse who looks kind of push button that I think can sit off that hot pace. And then the other two are a couple of prices, both cutting back from two turns that I think will benefit from that quite a bit. Totally agree. the uh, The only one that that we've mentioned that uh, we uh, we didn't mention, who I, I guess there are two. If you want to go, uh, you know, a little deeper, that are intriguing to me. I'm not sure how I'm going to use them, but I hate the rail draw. But because of the way this race shapes up, I'm actually going to use the one in some spots. 
because this the rail may not really be a big deal for a horse like this if they just drop back, try to save ground, and then make one big late run. That's one yep. of the more true closers in this race, you know. No doubt. Yeah. And if, if even the horses that we've talked about, like Ain't Easy and uh, Materia and Awake at Midnight, if for some reason they all got caught up kind of in the pressing mode and weren't too far out of it, this is one that might be totally fine with just laying way back and swooping with Saya's uh, uh, with Saya's aboard and, and kind of put two starts together. I think she's a bit interesting. The other one I just wanted to mention would be the horse to the outside. I liked her a lot after her first couple wins. She went at 45 to one first time out of the box at Churchill Downs against Maiden Specials. She came right back and she won a stakes race favored. How'd you like wow. to have missed her in the 45 to one day? And then you're like, dang, I want to play her back next time. Uh, she's your two to one favorite. I don't think so. And uh, and then she ran pretty well at Churchill in that stakes race. I just, I don't know if seven is the best for her. She might be a little bit more six, six and a half. I do like the turn back. She's got some ability, but I think, I think you hit on the the right ones like Madurea. If, if I had to pick one most likely winner in this race, it would, it would probably be her and, this could be a really fun weekend for Pratt, man. He is loaded with mounts. He, he is loaded, and I think the whole world is kind of seeing what we, we've we seen for quite a few years now that now obviously he gets on some good horses and he's riding first call for Chad Brown, et cetera. But, man, we, we've harped on this a million times, but it's true. He gives his horses the best chance to win because he always seems to be in the right spot. It's I know it doesn't always work out this way, but it really feels like the script is being written for him to win the Derby this weekend too and win a bunch of these big races because he's on Zandin. He's riding Zandin in that spot for Brown. It would just be like, oh, hey, by the way, look, this is the guy who moved and he's going to be like the new number one dude around here. I could see him winning a bunch of these big races this weekend and sort of ending with that Derby win. So. Uh, Flavian Pratt, you're going to be seeing that name in the winner's circle many, many times this weekend. It might be here in this ninth race. It may not, but just get ready to see him uh, uh, many, many times there because this is a fantastic rider. So that's the eight bells. That is race number nine on the Friday undercard at Churchill. While we have you here, Chappie, let's uh, let's get a, a quick early thought or two on the Oaks and the Derby. The Oaks has a real, real talented top four or five. We didn't really get like a major Oaks player from out West that, that feels like they could really stack up. I think with the other ones, you know, you've got like secret oath who faced the boys. You've got nest. Who's been really good. You've got Kathleen O who was beaten up on the golf stream uh, runners over there. And um, you know, you've got echo Zulu. Who's funny. Nobody's really talking about her all that much. And she's just the undefeated breeders cup juvenile Phillies winner from last year. Yeah, no question about it. And then I, I mean, you kind of, you kind of touched on most of the ones that make the most sense, right? I mean, Secret Oath, the, you know, the rail doesn't really bother me there, you yeah. know, going the two turns and there's not 20 horses. And Nest is clearly um, the horse to beat, I believe. And, and the horse I wanted to touch base on just for a second is uh, that man we just talked about, Flavian Pratt, on the, the 13 horse, uh, Shahama. He was 15 to one on the morning line. And just from what I've a little bit, I've seen, but also from a few people that I have boots on the ground that this horse is training absolutely lights out Mm -hmm. for Todd Pletcher four for four. 
lo and behold, Flavian Pratt shows up here. And I think it's very, very, she's a very, very interesting play at 15 to one. What's nice about her also is gen- generally when you see the horses that come over here that win the UAE Oaks or that win the, the UAE Derby, they're international horses. But this one is actually moved into the Todd Pletcher barn and you have Flavian Pratt riding. So you, it's not a negative to have an uh, international trainer and an international rider. But when you talk about just being a little bit more acclimated to the this style, the American style, they've been around here for a while. Been You can see the work tab. Um, and, and as you mentioned, lots of positives. If you get a chance to watch these races too, no idea what she's beating. Right, but the, right. But the, but the jockey's like looking around like what's going on here like he's just like he's like he's on a merry-go-round like just so much better than the rest of these fields it's visually she's really impressive i think she's worth throwing into at least one pick four or pick five you know if uh if you have especially if you have a stronger opinion a little earlier on the card and um I, yeah the only one that for me like outside of the, the the more logicals i think nostalgic's a bit sneaky too you know you can look at her race first time out of the box she wins going long she comes back and she runs into Nest, Venti Valentine, Magic Circle. They all come out of that race and win. And it was a little bit too much for her in her second career start. Then she tries the turf, doesn't like it, just put a line right through. Then they they picked out a spot for her that was probably a little softer where she could get a, a nice win and build up the confidence. She did at Gulfstream. She stepped back up into the gazelle. She should have no issue with distance in here. She should be able to run all day. And I, I think she can just save ground on the inside nobody's talking about her at all. And and if she takes one more little step forward, she's like right there competing with the top ones in here. I think nostalgic is one that I'm going to, I'm going to try to get in the mix a a little bit in this race. I'm starting to warm up to her a little more. You made a good point. I I hadn't even, you know, we just talked about that. Sometimes you go through things a little quickly and I, I hadn't taken much of a look at her, but now just looking at the pattern, like you said, first time out, then they take on the, the big girls in the second start. Then that that race was not only on the turf, but off of the layoff. And since then, uh, you know, she's just put in two big races and seems to be getting better and better at the right time. Um, and we know Bill Mott can get them ready uh, when on on Oaks Day, and that's for sure. Well, let's uh, let's transition from the Oaks on over to the Derby, and we have. Epicenter and Zandin that are installed as your top two. And then after that, it'll probably be the Southern California horses who end up getting a good amount of support, both Taiba and uh, Messier. So, I mean, all of this has been so crazy, what was happening, because Messier was kind of in a holding pattern for a little while. They were trying to figure out, I think, the owners, what was going to happen with Baffert, if he was going to be able to run the horses or not. So they were just sort of waiting, waiting, waiting. Once they found out that Baffert wouldn't be able to, they transition and they change the horses on over to Tim Yachtin. So they run in the Santa Anita Derby. We were talking about that race and it looked like a matchup between Forbidden Kingdom and Messier. And Taiba, we kept wondering like, why is Taiba in this race? You know, like this horse has got to be there just to make life difficult on Forbidden Kingdom, right? And nope, They, they rode that race and they told us why, because they thought Taiba could win that race. They they yep. rode that horse with the intention to win. And he went by Messier afterwards. And it wasn't as if Messier ran poorly. He was involved a little earlier on, but that was not at all what I was expecting when I saw that race on paper between those two horses. 
No, I mean, we were all shocked on that one, right? And we were like, oh, yeah, Taiba's got a ton of talent, but this is too big of a stretch on, mm-hmm. on, on his second start, and he's going to show all the speed and, and, and you know, put the pressure on Forbidden Kingdom to set it up for Messier late, and everything turned upside down, and Taiba just ran monstrous, and here we are in his third lifetime start, and he's in the Kentucky Derby. And to, to me, the only thing about that, and obviously there's a world of talent, and we'll get to some other horses then, it just seems to me that that is such such a tough task. Um, you know, obviously Justify was very lightly raced, and I love Justify. I didn't love the last work mm-hmm. by yeah. Taiba. So if I had to pick between the two, I would choose Messier over Taiba in terms of who I think is going to run better in the Derby. Taiba is is absolutely one of those type of horses who I could see winning by four. And we're like, oh my gosh, yeah, this horse is just incredible. Or dead, like getting a little bit of trouble and then just dead last, like not picking up the feet whatsoever. Yeah. I, and I, I don't think there's like an in-between just for the way no. that I'm looking at it. I'm literally thinking that Taiba is going to be so good that he just is like, oh, I'm just going to overcome all of this anyways and beat this group. Or that the circumstances were pretty good in that last race. He may have got a little bit bigger figure and this is too much too soon. If this were like the Preakness or even the Derby you know, the, the pushback derby a couple years ago, where it was like a field of like 15 or smaller. This was a, a field of 12 running in a smaller field a couple weeks. I would like Taiba a little bit more. I do just, and maybe it's me out thinking the room a little bit, but I have trouble thinking in a field of 20, if he just gets bumped around a little bit, that it's going to be difficult for him. Although on the flip side, the one thing we both, agreed with about Taiba and I'm not going to pretend like you and I liked him going into the Santa Anita Derby. I'm not going to like take credit and say, I picked him. But one thing that we both did say was his debut win. It wasn't one of those really easy, like, Oh, that horse was so great. And they just went to the lead or they sat second on the clear in the clear on the outside. He did actually have to kind of work in between horses for the lead and kind of battle. And he had to put, you know, put away a couple different horses. And so, I thought he was going to get a lot out of that race, but I don't know if with that and then what happened in the Santa Anita Derby, is that enough for him to win the Derby? Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Like you said, I wouldn't put him past him, but I'll probably going to leave him off my tickets. I mean, you know, when you and I talk about who we like, I mean, it all starts with Epicenter. I think it all starts with Zandon, first of all, and, and Epicenter. I was kind of a fan of Mo Donegal. The rail scares me to death. Um, you know uh, what? I'm I'm actually starting to flip back the other because I like Mo Donegal a lot, and I think me too. And yeah, I maybe think, that style won't hurt. Mo you know, I think here's how I'm looking at it. No matter what, we're gonna get a lot better price now than we would have. No matter what, because a lot of people are gonna say, "Oh, I don't want to play him on the rail and just toss him." Well, at least he's not gonna get be wide and lose a bunch of ground. He's going to want to be from 10th back anyways. So I don't think Epicenter and the number four, who's really fast, are going to cross over and hurt him all that much. I think for him, it's just, hey, let's drop way back. My only worry is, can he be like 12th to 15th early and not 15th to 20th? Right, right. Because if yeah. you're like 17th and you got to just wait for everything to open up and you got to go buy 16 horses, well, 
you're in some trouble. But can you be like 12th? It doesn't sound like a, a lot, but you know, just a, like another three or four horses in front when you have to start your rally. That's what the key is with this race. Yep. No question about it. Um, so, like, can I give can I give you two twenty to ones that please, I think are interesting? Please I do. Mean, we all have a million twenty to ones, I guess, in in a race like this. Uh, actually, I give you three of them that are that are right now peaking my interest. Um, the Smile Happy, who was the beaten favorite against Zandon last time, and is one for one at Churchill Downs. If he um, wins the Bluegrass, he's the favorite in the Derby. Yep. And he's 20 yeah. to one right now off of a second. Right. It, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think, I think cyber knife is an interesting horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you what, the horse that I keep going back to a little bit that interests me um, that's training lights out is crown pride, the yeah. Japanese horse. Yeah. I, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, these Japanese horses are winning left and right all over the world. They're 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 bred, they're bred to win everywhere with speed and with stamina. And it's not it's not a coincidence. They play. They are very smart in over in Japan with their everything they do in horse racing. If you watch the way they operate, it is incredible. And in the nicest way possible, their technology, their breeding, they are so far ahead of us. The okay. U.S. racing. And I think it may not be this horse, Chappie. I've said this in a lot of the conversations I've had with people uh, about this, but it's coming one of these years soon where a Japanese horse is going to win this race. And it'll be a very good thing for racing overall because then all of a sudden the the Japanese uh, um, contingent is going to put even more money in this thinking, yep, now we sort of know what it takes to win that. And then it's going to, get a little kick in the butt to us in the U S and our breeding and realize, Hey, maybe we need to tweak the way we're doing things a little bit. Maybe it's not all about who's the fastest two-year-old at the sale. Maybe we need to do a little bit more for strength and stamina in the breeding, you know, and we need to breed for endurance and racing rather than uh, race to breed. They kind of do it the opposite way. I think you're, I, I think you're a thousand percent right. And I think they're doing it the correct way. And all of a sudden it's showing and it's something that, like you said, uh, not only will happen, but could be a blessing in disguise in the long run for all of racing. Okay, so we're going to be hanging out with uh, Chappie on Saturday morning. You can you can hang out with uh, with the guys from the Morning Line Sports Show every Saturday morning. They go from 8 to 9 Pacific time, so 11 to noon Eastern time. If you're local, you can catch them on your uh, on your radio dial. And if not, don't worry. Anywhere you are. You can catch them on Instagram, on Twitter, I believe on Facebook with live streams. So uh, you can catch the the live stream um, even directly from uh, from anywhere, uh, any of the websites that you pull up. So lots of chances for people to come hang out. And these are the really fun shows uh, on big days where you kick back, you hear all the different handicappers that you have on and you, you write down everyone's picks because everyone's going to come in fired away with some good info. That's right. And uh, like you said, so it's AMA 30 on your radio and if you go to at tml tml ama30 you can go facebook live instagram live or twitter live from 8 a.m to 9 a.m pacific time and if we want to be very specific our man gino will be on about 8 44 so you'll be running uh the last leg before we end the show so uh we're going out with a bang with one of the best buddy anyone if if you 
starting to snooze a little bit, don't you worry. I'm going to pick you right back up at the end, and we're going to finish strong. So, uh, Chappie, my good friend, thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you for checking in with me. I always got to talk racing with you when there's a big day and, uh, and pick your brain a little bit. And I look forward to coming in uh, and hanging out with you and, uh, and Skippy and Hal on Saturday morning. Hey, one of the best weeks of the year. My pleasure. And good luck to every single person watching, listening, betting, gambling. It's the Derby, man. It's once a year, and uh, this is why we do it. If you're ever going to head out to uh, Santa Anita to take a day in, you want to get in touch with Chappie too. He'll uh, he'll make sure he'll get you all set up for a nice day at the track, and he'll give you a couple horses to play while you're out there also. Thanks so much, buddy. Uh, I'll talk to you this weekend. Good luck. All right, my brother. That is uh, Jeff Chapman from over at Santa Anita. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to continue on on our big Friday Kentucky Oaks preview show. That is Jeff Chapman helping us out from over at Santa Anita Racing. Remember that any day that there's racing at Santa Anita, you can find coverage on That's What G Said or following me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. So on our next episode of That's What G Said a little later on this week, we'll have some Friday and some Saturday Santa Anita for you on a big weekend over there. Chappie does some great work at Santa Anita. So for me, ain't easy in the eight bells. I'll stack them. Fo- my top tier is one, four, eight, ten. Those will be m- pretty much all of my rolling exotics. There ain't easy is the top lean. Anything over ten to one, I'll make a win wager. Also think sweet as pie could get a nice trip from off the pace. Then you got Moderea, who's the horse to beat in my opinion. Sweet Danny girl, I really like. Probably some nines uh, awake at midnight, who was the horse that uh, Chappie also had mentioned there too. So that's race number nine, the eight bells. Up next. It's race number 10, and it's the Twin Spires Turf Sprint. We've got Caitlin Free joining me. Caitlin has been doing really good work out at Turfway Park. She was on the simulcast there, and now she's joined the team at Churchill Downs, and she's helping out with the broadcasts over there. And she joins us to discuss race number 10, a really fun, wide-open betting race there. And then we also get some thoughts on the Oaks and the Derby from Caitlin. Kick back and enjoy this conversation with Caitlin Free. Okay, we are leading on up to the Kentucky Oak. So we are making our way through the Friday card. We're up to race number 10, and I'm very excited for our next guest. She's joined me before on some big days to handicap the races. And before we get into the Twin Spires turf sprint, which is going to go as, as race number 10 on Friday, I have to give Caitlin Free major props. Caitlin, I thought you did a fantastic job out at Turfway. It's it's way different handicapping every race, every day, doing it out there than sort of picking and choosing or doing the big races. And I thought you really knocked it out of the park. So great job out there. Hey, Gino, super excited to be back on. And I honestly can't thank you enough. That's super amazing, especially coming from you. Um, coming back now here to Churchill, it's uh, it's funny. They obviously liked what I did at Turfway because um, I'm kind of splitting the paddock hosting duty with a couple of other people, mainly uh, James Scully. So we're all kind of, you know, going to be doing two, three days a week and kind of just moving and shaking. That way we can have some flexible coverage with the five of us as part of the pat or the um, whole show team, including Joe and Scott. But I'm now an everyday player at Churchill. So there's so no cool. getting 
<laughs> no getting out of every race for me. They anymore. saw what we all saw too, that you were just doing a great job. And so you get a little <laughs> bit of an opportunity to say, look, I can do this. And then, right. and you really, you really did uh great. So love seeing you out on the broadcast <laughs> and, uh, you, you, I, I love Scott. I love Joe, but mm-hmm. it's the, the broadcast is much better looking when you're on there. Let's be honest. You know, we can, we can, we can, we can say that I think fairly. So a uh, couple of, a couple of really good handicappers themselves. So what a cool week leading up. I mean, events, there's a buzz. Everybody's excited. Everybody's got an opinion. This is, this is why we got into the sport and why we, we love horse racing for big races and big, big times like this. Oh my gosh. You're not kidding. I I've had an incredibly busy week, not only, you know, doing the races leading up to the Oaks and the Derby, but just kind of other little things, you know, um, speaking for different various outfits and people doing podcasts, doing written content. So this really is aside from the Breeders' Cup, the biggest day in our sport, especially when it comes to American racing. So it's huge. It's a fun time. But part of me at the same time is going to be really relieved when they cross that wire. Right. Yeah. We can take a take a deep breath and we get about yes. a week off and then we got to start <laughs> ramping back up again for the Preakness. But it'll be yes. the those few days after will be a nice little exhale. And well, we, we've got a, a great race uh, to, to discuss the Grade two Twin Spires Turf Sprint, which is the 10th race. And I think a lot of a lot of horses in here are going to be happy to, that there's no Golden Pal in this race, Caitlin. They sure are definitely the big horse not in here. He's going to be making his way back to Royal Ascot, of course. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be running in the King Stand or if he's going to be running in what is now called the Platinum Jubilee. Um, I, I'm thinking of the King Stand is what I'm thinking, unless they try to go for the double, which he's good enough to win the double. But I don't know if that's going to be – they're not willing to um, wheel him back on three days rest. It's not very often that they do that. Uh, but definitely – when the cat's away, the mice will play. Mm-hmm. So extremely competitive group here. Yeah, because now everybody gets a chance. You sort right. of in those races with Golden Pal, unfortunately, these these horses were just run off their feet. They didn't mm-hmm. really have an opportunity. And so now it makes things a lot more wide open from a betting standpoint. There are so many different ways you can go. And turf sprints are really cool because you find these horses nobody really starts out going, I'm going to be a turf sprinter, but you kind of get there eventually, whether you try a few different things and you kind of become, that's your, that's your niche. And I love seeing horses and the way their careers, like they go up, they go down. And then it's like, Oh, this is what I was supposed to be doing sprinting on the grass. And I find a home right here. And that's how a lot of these horses are. So tell us a, a couple of the horses that you might think about using. And like on a day, like Friday or Saturday, how do you play the races? Are you more of a win bad exact as try do you play a pick three or pick four what kind of stuff do you dive into it kind of really just depends on the type of card that we're going to be seeing this is the type of card where you're really going to want to do those pick fours those pick fives and one thing that i've been told by a couple of people when you're kind of going to be trying to get to a race like the Kentucky or the Kentucky Oaks, especially with the additions this year that seem so wide open playing a pick four or pick five coming into that race. You want to be extremely skimpy everywhere else. Force yourself to find a single if you can do that. And then just try to take all of them. I would take all in the Oaks all day. And I mean, because there are literally there are four or five that feel like a top tier above and then anything else could happen. This is, as good of an Oaks field as I could possibly remember. So that's what it's a lot about too. It's about 
how you set your wagers up on these big days, how you put them together. You look at the races before and after, and this is one of the races leading up into the Oaks. And we'd love to have a lot of nice coverage. So who do we need to maybe key in on, or who are a couple that we could, uh, if we had to play a little bit shorter in this race that you would look to, uh, to focus in on. I've looked over the field a couple of times and I will be honest with you, even though golden pal is not in here, I still think there's a ton of speed in this race. I do too. There is a ton of forwardly placed horses. So I'm thinking of using maybe two or three horses in this race, but they're going to be more of prices. A horse that I kind of zeroed in on here in the race that I think runs decently well um, over really any type of a turf course. I think the chance of rain is going down a little bit Mm -hmm. um, for Friday. So I think that as fast as our new turf course dries out, I think we could maybe get a good to firm turf course in this race so one horse that i'm really leaning in the direction of because he's going to have pace to run out because he's going to get a track he likes he's getting a distance he likes i'm going to look to the two in the learjet for a little bit of a price i also really like gear jockey i think the rice race sets up for gear jockey i think he's you know just progressing onward has you know had a little bit of time off coming out of the uh breeders cup Turf Sprint has had two starts since and has been a bit unlucky, has been pretty wide mm-hmm. in both of those two trips. But I think he's maybe going to be able to sit a little bit of a better trip here in this race. Brian Hernandez is starting to get to know this horse a lot better. So I really definitely see an opportunity for him. And I see an opportunity for Diamond Oops in here. So I'm definitely going to want to play horses that I think are going to be coming from off the pace as much as you can in a five and a half for long sprint. Yeah, I think what will happen now is because – Golden Pal, he's a lot faster than some of these, but when he's out, then a lot of these are all sort of as fast as each other. Right. Like it, it makes the playing field a little more even, but it still feels like it's going to be a hot pace. I totally agree with you. I'm glad you mentioned Gear Jockey. He's going to be on a lot of my exotics. Diamond Oops is one who he's another, like you look at Gear Jockey. He's run into Golden Pal two of his last three times. It's, it's really tough to knock him for those results. And you got Absolutely. Diamond Oops who lost to Golden Pal, Speaker's Corner, and in love in, you know, in three of his last four starts. Uh, so he's run into some really, really nice horses. They'll both be in the mix for me. And the one other one that I wanted to mention who I I followed for a while, he's, he's a horse who was supposed to be really good. And then he dropped in for a claiming tag and now he's kind of on his way back up and that's Pyron. And I literally have him pulled up on my screen. He would be my fourth ho- horse in here. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> No, we're on the same page. This right. Way. This is, we're just seeing the, the way that it, it's going to shape up the same way. And we kind of like the same horses to play and maybe to play against. And how right. cool is it to see Flavian Pratt riding as well as he is and just getting the type of mounts that he is. He's, he's ready for a big weekend. It looks like. Oh, absolutely. There is no better rider in the country right now. I think than Flavian Pratt, he has just been on fire. So I'm definitely going to be using him a lot this weekend. I like Pirate in here as well. I kind of almost forgot about him coming into this race because he's kind of coming in under the radar, got a stakes win in the Absolutely. He kind of quiet, time. right? Like you did you wouldn't you would have forgot about him almost if you didn't see him and you go, "Wow, you know what? He fits pretty well in this spot and if if he, he gets the setup that Caitlin and I are are hoping for, um Pyron could uh could be, you know, one of those nice horses to lead you in to the Oaks and, and a pick four, a pick five, a nice six, seven to one shot like that. That's exactly the type of horses that we're looking for. So once we get a nice price home here and we turn the page to the Oaks as as good of an Oaks field, Caitlin, mm-hmm. as, as I can remember, honestly. 
I've been in the sport for 12 years now. 2013 was pretty darn good. And Princess of Silmar turned that field over on its head at a price. This is the best Oaks I've ever seen. I have heard many handicappers that have been around for 30, 40 plus years say this is one of the best races in the Kentucky Oats they've seen since the 80s. So I definitely trust that opinion. There is the four-headed monster in here that everybody is talking about. But um, I'm looking beyond them, actually, in this race. A horse that I think has a big chance to upset this field out of price. Who is that? Who is a horse? You, uh, I, I have one, too. That I think, because can you imagine getting beyond those big four in exotics? Like, you're really going to get rewarded. So who's the, the filly that you're leaning towards? I was saying I think Flavian Pratt is going to have a big week, a big yep. weekend. I'm going with Shahana in the Kentucky Oaks. I've been able to speak to Todd Pletcher about her. He's so excited about her. He's She's done so much more than he ever imagined. She's just impressed every day. He said she has a fantastic temperament and it seems like when he's wanting to talk or they're talking about a lot of his other um, oaks and derby horses he's like okay but shahama so i know he really wants to talk about shahama and she has a lot going for her she is coming off a little bit of rest hasn't raced since the end of february just um had about two and a half months off but she's been training really hard for pleasure got a little bit of a breather has been training really really hard and she's just done everything right she's put on a tremendous amount of muscle since she's been in his barn she's undefeated I definitely think she does have to step up slightly to beat this field, but she keeps firing her best after her best after her best after her best. She's getting a little bit of a weight break. She's been carrying 128 to 126 pounds over in Dubai. Um, And by the way, she's the only filly in this race that has ran a mile and an eighth or beyond. So she's distance tested. She's had more weight on her back. I, I don't know what she's necessarily beating, over in Dubai, Midwa is a pretty nice thrilly. She's Philly. She's right, wiped the floor with her three different times. And the jocks looking around, like just playing with them, like it's they're yeah. visually they're incredibly impressive. It's they- been so easy. It's just been so easy. And I'm thinking she gets a decent setup in this race. Uh, there is some speed in here, of course, with Echo Zulu Yugiri and Venti Valentine. So I don't think it's going to be like super sonic, like maybe the Derby could be, but I think it'll be hot enough. And she's honest for sure. It's going to be honest. And she's not a super, super launch from behind closer. She's kind of a mid pack stalker type. And I think that's the type of running running style that could win this race because the speed may not carry and the closers may not get there in time. So I'm thinking this middle pocket trip is going to be good for her. If the track's a little bit moist, she's by Munnings. She's won on a muddy track. She won by two and a half at Maidon on a muddy surface. So I could not like her more in the spot. And Todd Fletcher said he didn't hate the 13 post for her. What is really nice, Caitlin, because (laughs) one of the things that I, one of the ways I sort of uh, found you was talking about international racing. You were someone who was, right? Like you would talk about international races a lot late at night. And um, when there would be stuff happening uh, anywhere outside of the U.S. And what we would always see is that it's kind of hard for horses internationally to keep up with some of the American horses on the dirt because they don't really have the same level of competition. Sometimes the breeding, sometimes the way that they're prepared. This, this horse is way different in that she's in the Pletcher barn. She's been here for a while and she has Pratt aboard. So she is in as capable of hands as horses like this. We've seen before. I think she has a much better chance than some of the others, because I know there are some handicappers out there that go, Oh, Horse from the UAE Derby or UAE Oaks, I'm going to immediately dismiss them because I've, I've never seen them have a whole lot of success. Mm-hmm. I don't think 
that you should be doing that anymore in this day and age with the way that other countries can breed their horses. We're seeing it with Japan and the way that this particular horse has been campaigned and has been in the Pletcher born here for a while. None of those really weird travels. And then you got to quarantine and that stuff. This horse is ready and fit. She's, she's going to fire in this race. In my opinion, they may end up being better than her. And, but I still think she's going to hang around for at least a price. She can get the distance and she's got to, I would, if there's no better spot for a horse to be in, in this field. So when they originally were going to go to the UAE Derby and beat the boys, which I think she would have beat that field. I think she would have beat crown pride. She's that good. In my opinion, she wants to go far. So I really, really think she's coming in. She's coming in under the radar, but I've probably dropped her price by at least two points because I've been talking about her. Just just right there. Yeah. Just singing the praises, but we, that the price won't be dropped enough to where when she wins, we'll still be here in Caitlin free screaming over there at, uh, at at Churchill downs on, uh, on Friday uh, for the Kentucky Oaks. So after she wins and you got a bunch of money in your pockets and in your, uh, in your twin spires accounts, we're going to turn the page to Saturday in the Kentucky Derby. We've got Epicenter and Zandon that have been installed as sort of the top two. And yep. then after them, it's kind of like the the West Coast wild cards. You don't really know what to do with Messier and Taiba, the horses right. who are now in the, the Yachtin barn. Tell us how you were kind of looking at the Derby. I, I'm seeing the Derby from a little bit more of a cautious angle. Um I've been on Epicenter ever since his win of the Gunrider. I also saw his main special weight race. I've seen what this horse is capable of. There's really no horses in the Derby this year excite me like Shahama does in the Oaks. There's nobody that I'm like busting out of my skin to bet. But I've been on Epicenter for so long now. I have no excuse to jump off this horse. Sure. He's done nothing wrong. And I can find other excuses for everybody else in this race. Um, I love Zandon. Zandon is a beautiful horse. Big fan of Chad Brown. I would love to see Chad Brown win a derby. He will win a derby. He's, you know, a good friend of mine, just a good human being in general. So I would love to see him win with Zandon, but I I can just poke holes with Zandon. He's the new shiny thing because he's worked well. He's won one of the most recent prep races. So Mm -hmm. everybody is obsessed with Zandon right now, which I mean, to no fault of their own, Zandon is a spectacular animal. But I think so many people are forgetting the epicenter has soundly beat Zandon. Yes, everything didn't go Zandon's way that day, but everything went his way in the bluegrass. He had to win the blue bluegrass. He was supposed to win the bluegrass. And if you like Zandon, that is, unfortunately, that's kind of the problem with Zandon yeah. in a race like this, right? Where epicenter is the type of horse who has the opportunity to work out his own trip and put himself in a really nice spot. Yeah, that's another reason why I really like Epicenter is he's the most versatile horse in this race. He's the horse that has multiple gears. And I don't think I can say that about anybody else in this field. So that was one thing that really solidified me on Epicenter. A couple of my favorite derby handicapping tools, uh, the John White strike system and, of course, Carrie and Pete Dink's um, motion analysis report. Both have this horse horse listed super, super high. So being reinforced by some minds I really trust in this game, plus my own instincts, plus what I've seen in the morning, plus seeing him in school and talking to Steve Asmussen, uh, I love this horse in this race. Okay, well, I know we've been having fun talking all about the Oaks and all and all about the Derby because this is what's great for for us horse racing fans and us horse players. And we're going to be following Caitlin on social media. We're going to be watching everything that she's doing this week at Caitlin Free on Twitter. But I think one thing that you're probably not all that happy about right now are the the Reds. 
God, that, oh goodness, what's going on? Oh, that, oh, that's yeah. not that's not a great situation with those Reds right now, is it? No, it's <laughs> it, honestly it's broken my heart. I can't, it is. can't say I have ever sat in my car and cried about baseball. But when they traded Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez, not that I was like attached to either one of them necessarily. I love Gino. Gino just was like the Reds in a nutshell. Everything that is great about baseball and great about the sport. And to just see what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pull the sound bite right there where you go. See, I love Gino, and I'm gonna play that on all my stuff all the time. I love love everybody named Gino. So (laughs) I just like you had a team that was good enough to compete in the playoffs. Yes. You didn't get very far in the playoffs, but all the pieces were there and just be like, oh, we're going to sell. And I think the thing that makes me mad the most, it's not even Gino and Jesse Winker. And that made me cry is the fact that um, Castellanos wanted to stay here in Cincinnati. He just wanted a bit more money. They never called him, never reached out to him, nothing. They just let Nick Castellanos walk. He's tearing it up in Philly and we're paying Mike Moustakis. $3 million more than Nick Castellano is making. Tell me after we gave away all the salary, trading a ton of our pitchers, trading two of our best players, all stars, why we did not have money to pay Nick Castellanos. You did. It's uh, the owner. When I hear him talk in some of the interviews, he said the one a few weeks ago, where he said, well, what, to, to the fans, what else, who else are you going to root for? It's like, Oh my gosh, he just seems so tone deaf. And so, it's such a bummer. You know, we all know we're realistic as fans. We know some years are going to be our years. Others are aren't, but right. didn't even get it. You got it. You got no shot before the season even started this year. Oh. We just knew you had no chance. No, no shot. They're three and 20 right now. You can't dig out of a hole like that. And they don't have the team to dig out of a hole like that. So honestly, 24 games into the season, it's a wash. It's a wash. You might as well do something else with your time. <laughs> I know my boyfriend is like, man, I want to go to Reds game this year. I'm like, well, you better find somebody else because I'm not spending a penny at that stadium until they sell the team. I literally have a sell the team Bob shirt. I'm not kidding. And it's a bummer because I love uh, talking late baseball with you some of the times when they're out on the West Coast. I'd see you up late watching them play the Dodgers or the Giants or whoever they're playing. And I'm I'm a big baseball fan myself, especially once you get into another month or two where it's just baseball's on every day throughout the summer to keep you company. It's so sad when uh, when you can feel like the people running the show just just don't care. So that's I know I know you're a Reds fan. I didn't mean to uh, <laughs> to shift our awesome oh. high energy talk down to the uh, down to the the lowly Reds right now. But I, I figured you'd have at least a, a take on uh, on their current situation. So all weekend long, we're gonna see you uh, out there helping out on on Churchill here and there, and uh, we'll, we'll see you popping up throughout different things, right? Yeah, kind of here, there, and everywhere. I'm going to do a couple of different things for a couple other news stations as well, kind of locally here within Kentucky with the Derby and the Oaks um, also. But, yes, I am a permanent fixture now at Churchill Downs. I'll be on all meet and hopefully from here on out for the future. So this is my new home track. This is my new home base, um, Turfway as well. So I CDI has my heart. <laughs> awesome. Really excited to see you more and more. I've always loved – talking races with you and interacting with you. And I, I told you recently, you are such a fun follow on social media <laughs> because you'll just have some like random, okay, questions or talk topics. And that's what it's all about. Like yeah. we all have our work stuff, but it's nice to get, you know, to know people a little bit, to have some fun and to bring a little smile to some people's faces here and there. You've been doing that. Well, I'm super happy to hear, especially during times that are tough. I, I try to be fun. Everybody that knows me knows I pr- have a pretty fun and bombastic personality. Um, I actually met, 
one of uh, my good friends that I do some contests with. And I met him and I was like, sorry, I'm like way shorter than you probably thought in person. He's like, I literally looked at you and you 100% match everything I've ever thought about you. <laughs> well, that makes you feel good, probably. Yeah. Right? I was like, so- okay, I'm glad I'm as... I'm glad I'm authentic on social real. media in the same way in person. So Right? We just want to be real. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, we're going to really make some money this weekend. Caitlin, it is always such a pleasure to uh, to touch base with you and to talk racing. And I'm very excited for for you uh, knocking it out of the park. Like, we get, op- get opportunity and then boom, and you ran with it. And now we're going to see you on the biggest weekend of the year covering races. It's Just thinking out loud, that, that's unbelievable to say, right? It is. It's It's super unbelievable to say and um i was talking had a chance to chat with a couple of people not super familiar with racing it was an event i did um at churchill later this or this past evening where it was some of the cooks and stuff like that and a couple uh news stations talked to me briefly and somebody remarked to me he's like you know he said i've been living in louisville for so long i've been coming to the races i've been coming to the derby he said um you're the first woman i've seen be on this team that's awesome i think Donna Barton brothers did it a little while, couple of meets with them, but yeah, I, I think Just, that's definitely not necessarily it, by it, me, but by any woman in general, it's been a role that they've wanted to fill really bad here at that, Churchill. And there haven't, and to say if there have been, it's they're few and far between. So yes. it's so nice knowing that you are someone that they said, Hey, we, we want to bring her in because she's doing this good of a job and we want to make her a part of our team. And, uh, we all second that, that are uh, fans and followers of you, Caitlin Free. Thank you. It's a busy week. I know everyone's got so much going on, and I really appreciate you uh, you taking some time because I know you had a long day and you had an event. So awesome. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Of course, you know, anytime. Well, we're going to be following Caitlin Free again. Uh, make sure to give her a follow on social media at K-A-I-T-L-I-N Free, and you'll uh, it's kind of the home base for her. Everything that she's got going on, she'll be uh, posting there, and you can follow along. But don't go anywhere, folks, because we have a a lot more. And we're going to move on to the main event for Friday. We're going to talk some Kentucky Oaks next. Awesome to hear how well things are going for Caitlin. We're going to see her more often helping out at Churchill Downs. So for the way I'm playing this 10th race, just uh, to remind you one more time, I'm I'm looking towards the 9, Pyron, and uh, the 7 and 8, who Caitlin mentioned. They're both going to be on my tickets, Diamond Oops and Gear Jockey. So those uh, will be the three that I use all over the place. If my next tier of horses, it would be the Learjet, who Caitlin mentioned, and then the two speed horses to the outside, Just Might and Johnny Unleashed. I think they'll both be forwardly placed. I feel like those two will be two of the quicker. And if one of the two doesn't go, or if maybe a couple other horses decide to track a little bit and one of them sneaks away, I want to make sure I have them on at least one pick four or pick five somewhere. So I'll have nine, seven, eight as my top horses and then my next little deeper tickets I'll be including the 2, 11, and the 12 there. That's race number 10 at Churchill Downs on Friday. Before we move into the Kentucky Oaks, want to let you know about a really cool collaboration happening over at oldsmokeclothing.com slash BTV. Yes, oldsmokeclothing.com slash BTV. There's a t-shirt there that is a better than Vegas Old Smoke collaboration. And on the shirt, it says, I don't bet, I win. Very comfortable t-shirt, $32. If you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it gives you free shipping on your order. The I don't bet, I win shirt with the uh, the money 
flying all over the place for all you handicappers, gamblers out there. Check it out. I don't bet I win. Go to oldsmokeclothing.com slash BTV. Time to get into the Kentucky Oaks, but we uh, have another guest. And this one talks a little bit about the Oaks, talks a little bit about the Derby, and then shares a best bet with us for the weekend. It's actually going to be a best play on the Saturday card. David Aragona helps us out talking Oaks, talking Derby, and then he shares a weekend best play. I myself am always a curious time form U.S. and what the uh, what the guys over with the forecast and the pace cast are thinking. T- uh, Craig Wilkowski and David Aragona, you hear them both on this show quite often. So with a big weekend ahead, we had to uh, enlist the services of both of them and pick their brain a little bit on some of the big races. David does such a great job over there. He makes the morning lines for NYRA, stuff for DRF, time form U.S., Hands in uh, in many different places and on a big week. Uh, I'd imagine uh, you've got a lot going on this week, David. How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. Like you said, Derby Week is always a busy one, but it's it's the kind of work that you love to do because the racing is great on these Friday and Saturday cards. And uh, just looking forward to the weekend. It should be a great uh, Saturday of action. Exactly. If you're a horse player, you may not have a strong opinion in the Oaks or the Derby, but no excuses this weekend. There's still plenty of other races, even if you don't have a real strong thought on either one of those two. So we'll uh, we'll talk a little Oaks, we'll talk a little Derby, and we'll get a best bet for you. You said that you were diving into the uh, the Saturday card pretty well. Is there anything uh, on the uh, undercard or any race in particular that you you have a strong opinion? Yeah, I got through most of Saturday. Um, among the stakes races, I would say maybe one of the long shots that I'm most interested in is in the American turf. Uh, I like that horse all the way on the outside, Dewajak Chief. Uh, he's 10 to 1 in the morning line. We'll see what price he goes off at. But I think he's not going to be among the favorites in this race. Uh, he's not coming out of the traditional turf races that you would think might translate to success in the American turf, like uh, you know the Transylvania or some others down at Gulfstream. But I thought he ran deceptively well last time in the Jeff Ruby, albeit on the synth. But that was a pace that kind of came apart a little bit. He was setting it. Uh, and then three back when he ran ran on the turf in that Texas turf mile. He ran really well that day. That was a pace that completely fell apart. He made the first move into it. I just think overall his turf form is a little bit better than it seems, and he could fly under the radar in there. I like that one. I uh, heard endorsements from uh, from that one uh, earlier on, too. Dowajiak Chief is a horse who should offer you some really nice value. That's race number nine, the grade two American turf. That is on the Saturday undercard. And that's a really important race, David, if you're someone who plays, you know, a lot of the multi-race exotics, because that one's involved in the pick six, pick five, pick four, and I think 12 uh, other uh, wagers that were created for this weekend. There's a, There's a lot out there to play. Yeah, definitely. That seems like one of the races people might be tempted to spread a little bit in. There's no real center to it. I'm sure there are some horses that might be uh, tempting singles a little bit later on, maybe Jackie's Warrior, uh, but uh, definitely it's not an easy sequence to put together, and that race is part of it. No, not at all. So that's on, that's on Saturday. Now let's get to the uh, the main event for Friday with the Oaks. I mean, everybody's been talking about it for a while now. This is a really nice group of fillies. This is as strong towards the top, top four or five as I can remember in quite some time. And for me, I, while I have an opinion on one or two that I like more than others, it would not be shocking to see any one of them step up and say, oh yeah, I, I'm maybe the, the head of the division right now. It's kind of what, why big races like this are so fun from a fan perspective and from a gambler, because 
You've got all these horses that beat up on their local prep in their local preps and on on the local contingents there, and now they all come together and we see who is kind of the best of the best. Yeah, one of the things that really strikes you when you're handicapping this Oaks is as impressive as those four fillies have been that are likely to take most of the money, uh, Nest, Kathleen No, Echo Zulu, and Secret Oath, all of their major wins have been earned against much weaker competition. Exactly. In the, the prep races, a, a couple of them in particular, uh, the Gulfstream Park Oaks and probably the Ashland as well, were just not very strong fields. These horses, I mean, they won by large margins. They were blowout victories. Very impressive. But uh, they're all getting some real class tests here. Mm-hmm. Maybe Secret Oath is the one that you'd be least concerned about because she did try tougher in the Arkansas Derby last time. But it is kind of fascinating that they're all coming out of uh, those impressive victories just are really stepping up to face tougher. You're right. Everybody, everybody's going to get the acid test here because it it just is, it's like, oh, now you're stepping up from the JV to the varsity game right here. And then this is where things are, the waters are going to get a little bit deeper. So is Secret Oath one that'll be on most of your tickets? Do you have a lean that way? Yeah, I, I like Secret Oath in this race. I have no illusions that we're going to get the six to one morning line. I think that the four Phillies who are likely to take most of the money are probably going to be a little bit closer in odds than that five to two to six to one spread. Uh, but I kind of feel like she's among the most likely winners of this race. I'm not that bothered by the rail draw. I actually think it suits her. She's a horse that runs well when she gets covered up in her races. And you can't be upset about the rider switch to Louis Saez. I mean, she probably should have achieved a higher placing in the Arkansas Derby just didn't get the right trip that day. Uh, but I like that she actually proved her quality against that field. Not that the Arkansas Derby was among the strongest preps for the three-year-old males, but she did face some real horses in there and she thought she ran pretty well. And I mean, I don't have to tell you how impressive she was in her victories before that. So uh, I just feel like Secret Oath makes a lot of sense in this race. And I have some questions about all of the others. Probably, though, the most questions about Echo Zulu just was not impressed by her return mm-hmm. last Last time at the fairgrounds, I get that she might have needed that race and she can take a step forward, but she feels like one that has to take some money in this race. So she'd be the one that I'd be looking to downgrade a little bit. I'm curious as uh, someone who makes the morning line, just picking your brain a little bit on this. Did you I, I heard I saw a lot of reaction as crazy, right? People were critiquing a morning line that stopped me if you heard that one before, David, you know, <laughs> but uh, I was curious. I didn't think there was that much separation between maybe Nest and, you know, Secret Oath and some of the others. Do, would you have made it a little bit different or, or how do you see the odds sort of evening out or, or kind of uh, ending up come post time? Yeah, I was thinking more maybe three to one on Nest, co seven to two second choices yeah. with Echo Zulu with Kathleen O and maybe nine to two, four to one on Secret Oath. I, I feel like all of these Phillies have their supporters and there's no clear standout. Nest was really impressive last time in the Ashland, but I mean, you look through that field and those who finished behind her, I know there was another horse for Brad Cox that took some money that day who just turned out to not be that good. And when you look through that field, I mean, I know it was a grade one, but it was one of those that was a grade one in name only. Uh, She really wasn't beating much. She's definitely taken a step forward this year as a three-year-old Nest and she's supposed to love the mile and eighth, but it depends on how short a price you want to take on a Philly that really is getting quite a class test here. Okay, David, let's uh, move to Saturday and the big one, the race that's talked about more than any race uh, of the year and that's uh, analyzed and the horses that we've been following for quite some time after the draw came out. We 
have seen that Epicenter and Zandon are sort of the top tier as far as the betting is concerned, and they look like they are uh, the horses that'll vie for favoritism. Uh, how are you looking to to play the uh, the Derby? Give us a couple horses that you might be using, and maybe one or two that you're cold on. Yeah, my general outlook in this Derby is it's pretty wide open. Uh, I don't think anybody should be below five to one. Uh, so from a value standpoint, I kind of have to veer away from those two favorites, Epicenter and Zandon. Between the two, I'm probably more afraid of Epicenter. He's the one that I did include in my picks. Uh, just feel like he's going to work out a pretty good trip. They schooled him with that rating, uh, with those rating tactics in the Louisiana Derby last time. I feel like he's going to get a similar trip in the Kentucky Derby as long as he breaks well. I, I just have trouble finding a lot of flaws with Epicenter, so I, I can't completely dismiss him, but I did want to veer in a different direction with horses that I do think will offer a little bit better value. Um, I found two in particular that I would be most interested in. The one that I put on top is Mo Donegal. Uh, to me, he just is very similar to Zandon, and he's not getting the same kind of hype coming into this race for whatever reason. I kind of get why. I mean, Zandon's been training well, and he's a horse who always trains very well. So people always get kind of captivated by whatever the horses do in the morning. Mm-hmm. But I think Bo Donegal's been trading well as also. I mean, if you follow the way that this horse is, has been doing throughout the winter, I was really impressed with his last workout. I know it was kind of a little more contained, not the flashiest time, but I love the way he galloped out in that workout. Uh, but beyond that um, his Wood Memorial was a strong effort. That was a moderate pace that was set by early voting, who I do think is a good horse, even though he's not running in this derby. And Mo Donegal just ran him down late with a really strong kick through the stretch. Not too bothered by the rail draw for a horse that I think is just going to drop out early. Yeah. He's probably going to be around 18th or 19th in the early going. I don't think Todd Pletcher is pretending otherwise. So, you know, a lot of people are making this comparison to known agenda and what happened with him and the exact same connections last year, Irad and Todd. But the difference is they tried to get known agenda forward in that derby and then he got shuffled back. I don't think there's going to be too much effort made no. to get O'Donagle forward. So, We'll see if he's good enough. I think that's the question for all of these horses, but I suspect that he's coming into this race uh, doing very well. So I put him on top. And the other horse that I didn't really expect to like, but I I kind of couldn't go away from him once I handicapped this race, is Taba. I mean, we'll see what price he turns out to be. He's 12 to 1 on the line. I think he's going to be more in that 6 to 1 to 8 to 1 range. Mm -hmm. But I just think he might be the best horse in the race. He he is so talented, and I guess you have to determine for yourself how much stock you want to put in seasoning and whether that lack of history around a horse with just two career starts, having success in a derby really matters to you. I don't know. I, we've seen precedents broken in this race before, especially in the past Recently. Few years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't want to harp on it too much. He's just the best horse in the race, coming in with the fastest speed figures. He was impressive last time. Give no indication that he's not going to handle the distance. I can't see too many reasons or legitimate reasons to to downgrade him. So my top two picks are Mo Donegal and Taba. Yeah, if if he were a lot shorter of a price, maybe, then we could start doing the, okay, well, yeah, he's not as seasoned like you said. But those are things that you you kind of nitpick and you build in when it's horses that are shortish prices. If he's going to be in like the eight plus to one range against this group, I don't I don't really have knocks on him either. I, what what he did from that first start to the second start is what you're not supposed to do. You're not yeah. supposed to be able to do that to go from that sprint to a mile and an eighth in the Santa Anita Derby and run by horses that were way more seasoned than you. I. I mean, I remember looking back at the race and and handicapping it on paper and previewing the race. It looked like it was going to be a a showdown between Messier and Forbidden Kingdom. And I thought 
and and some others did that. Oh, he's probably in there to make life difficult on Forbidden Kingdom. I thought he would be more of like a pace presence just to be kind of a nuisance. And that was he was not ridden that way. He was handled like he was in there to win it. And they know they've got something special with this horse. Yeah, and people are I, I feel like people are trying to knock him down for reasons that uh, they wouldn't really factor into their handicapping for a normal race. Like, oh, he just he just has one workout since his last race. That must be a negative. Or, oh, he was on the vets list back in March. That That's a negative. I mean, if you've ever looked up a vets list, almost every horse in the backstretch has been on it at some point. I mean, th- these are things that, that don't really matter that much. Uh, the horse, Especially if you've got that kind of talent that we yeah. know he has. I mean, let's just think about it. He's been compared to Justify. If this horse had one easy allowance victory between that maiden brace and the Sansini Derby, and he had three starts, and let's say that Bob Baffert's listed in the program instead of Tim Yachtin, what price would this horse be in the Kentucky Derby? Probably to three one. to one. I was going to say five or sub, <laughs> f- five or sub, no, not over five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it, it's probably a tougher derby than the one that Justify won, but still, this horse, I think this horse arguably deserves to be the favorite, and he's not going to be, so I have to use him. That might be where uh, where the value lies. That's how David sees it. And I know you and Craig have uh, a, a couple things out there this week. You have a full Kentucky Derby preview where you went through every horse. I was joking with Craig. I saw the, the millions and millions of fans out there demanding and clamoring for more video from you two good-looking fellas. So we got some uh, some video out there this week, too. Tell us uh, what other stuff we can find from you. Yeah, you can find all that stuff on the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel. There are a lot of stakes previews also from Mike Beer and Dan Ullman, who do a great job with all of those. They're handicapping all the Churchill races. As for me, I'll also be doing uh, betting strategies on DRF.com with Marcus Hirsch. We'll be handicapping the entire Saturday card. You can find out more info about that on DRF.com. We'll be writing analysis, uh, putting together some multi-race wagers for that Saturday card at Churchill Downs. Uh, So yeah, all of that. And I'll be doing my typical Belmont stuff as well this week. Okay, so I'll give you the heads up in about uh, five weeks from now. You can expect another little annoying text message or a message from me asking uh, for the help on Belmont weekend again. We'll uh, we'll preview one or two races and, uh, and talk about the big one that weekend if you're up for it. For sure. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, David. Always love checking in with you. You have a great rest of your weekend. We'll be following along with you, and uh, I hope you cash a ton of tickets. Yep. Uh, Milkowski, a hard time for me anytime you can, David. A- anytime <laughs> you can, just give them some guff. Love these guys. They always uh, help us out so much. Go give their show uh, a follow and subscribe over there. But don't go anywhere, folks, because we have a lot more to dissect. David Aragona, lots going on for David this week. And uh, we love talking with David and with Craig. So always have some fun chatting races with them. Make sure to go give them a follow. Let's wrap up the Kentucky Oaks for Friday. So. I've got Secret Oath, Nest, Nostalgic as my must-use horses in all exotics. I'll try to close out pick fours, pick fives, and everything with the three of them. Tons of respect for Echo Zulu. Tons of respect for Kathleeno. And Shahama, that would be my next trio of horses. So depending on how you approach this race, how deep you want to go in your tickets, what kind of wagers you're going to play, my top trio of horses in here the ones that I'll be using all over, Secret Oath, Nostalgic, Nest. You want to go a little deeper, then I would stack them Kathleen O, Shahama, Echo Zulu. Lots of talented fillies in the Kentucky Oaks race number 11 on Friday. So we've got what we just did for the Friday card, 
exactly for the Saturday card for you for Derby Day. We've got different guests helping us out with all the graded stakes races, and uh, we will really dive into those, and we'll also share their Kentucky Oaks and Kentucky Derby thoughts there. So that'll help you out for Friday, but we finish up this episode of That's What G Said with another interview talking about Louisiana Downs. It's Roxanne Tanner, who's an ambassador out at Louisiana Downs in We talk with her all about some of the things to look forward to this meet. New ownership coming in. Kevin Preston is the the head man now in charge over there. So she talks about things that we can look forward to, what it's been like getting set up for this meet, and uh, any important news and information for Louisiana Downs with Roxanne. It's a big week in the world of horse racing. We all know that this weekend it's Kentucky Oaks on Friday, Kentucky Derby on Saturday, but it's also going to be opening day at Louisiana Downs. There's a real new energy, a new ownership over at Louisiana Downs, and I'm excited because I'm going to be covering Louisiana Downs every day that they're racing. There's going to be coverage here on That's What G Said podcast. I'm going to post some of those videos that you've seen where we dive into the DRF uh, past performances and handicap some races. I'm going to help out on the broadcast with the simulcast. So uh, I'll, I'll be talking LAD all over the place. And joining me today is someone who I've been speaking to over the last few weeks over at Louisiana Downs, Roxanne Tanner. I'll let Roxanne introduce herself and, uh, and tell you a little bit about what she does. But Roxanne, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Gino, so much for having me. Looking forward to having you uh part of the Louisiana Downs team for our thoroughbred meet. Yeah, really excited. And everyone that I've spoke to over there, it just seems like there's a great energy with the new ownership and that everyone's really excited about what's coming forward this meet uh, at Louisiana. And for sure. I mean, new ownership in place. Uh, Kevin Preston acquired uh, the track back in November. And so we've only had a, a short amount of time to get uh, to get to where we are today, but they've put a lot of time and money into it. And uh, we're hoping for big things. So tell us how you came over to Louisiana Downs and tell us some of the stuff that you do and, and some of your, uh, your jobs over at LAD. For sure. Um, well, I grew up in horse racing. My dad owned and uh, trained. He was assistant trainer to Jinx Fires for a number of years. Um, so grew up kind of going around with him uh, from track to track during the summertime when we weren't in school. And uh, he decided uh, to stick in Arkansas, which I grew up at Oaklawn Park. Um, and so it's been a number of years there. And when I finally graduated college, I was like, by Arkansas, I'm going outward and onward. And so I went to Arlington, got to spend some amazing summers up there. Great facility. Uh, Worked for some amazing people on the backside. Um, And finally ended up over at Churchill Downs. Actually, interesting fact, I was on Undercover Boss. Wow. Uh, Back in the day. So um, I guess I'm talking to a celebrity. I'm you didn't I'm glad you didn't big time me like you weren't too big to come on my show. Right. Like I didn't have to check with your agent or anything first. Well, it's been so long ago. I think uh, my my spotlight has uh, passed, but uh, it was the SAG credits maybe have worn off by now. Right. They're not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not big. So. reality TV uh, doesn't always have the best perks, I guess, sometimes, but um, it was a good experience, and I got to work uh, under the Twin Spires, and actually uh, worked on the backside of Churchill for about eight, eight, nine years, working for uh, one of the top vet practices in the country as a vet assistant, and 
was running their office and got to meet a lot of cool trainers, got to work around a lot of Hall of Fame trainers, which is great. Dwayne Lucas, who is one of the biggest inspirations, I feel like, for the industry um, itself, uh, got to work in his shed row every day. So that was always nice. Um, and uh, finally, I guess, ended up down in Louisiana. I spent the last year and a half working for another vet practice down here and kind of saw uh, Mr. Preston uh, coming in and thought, you know, why not send him a resume, see, see what I can bring to the table, see if I can offer him some, uh, some of my insights. And lo and behold, I'm here. Awesome. Well, I'm glad it all worked out so well. And that's what's nice is that you've worn many hats and you've been around. So you just know a lot of sides of the racing, right? Dealing with the people, the horsemen, and then even the betting stuff. I think I've seen you do some handicapping and stuff there. So we'll have to maybe get you to look at a couple races sometime uh, in the coming weeks down the line and, and join us. And it, it feels like one of the main, um, I think, goals of Louisiana Downs this year and moving forward is you know, getting people back out there. It's so nice with the legalized sports wagering now. That's also a major perk heading into this meet that some states are still waiting on and a lot of different jurisdictions all around the country are sort of waiting for things to get voted on and passed. And I'm sure that everyone there in management is probably pretty excited about how that could lure people out and, and get them to play more, more races. Oh, for sure. And the kicker with the sports betting is, is not only we're we excited for people to come play it, but we're also excited that 2.5% um, of the revenue that comes from sport betting will actually go to the Louisiana Breeders Program. So you got to, you know, the money's going to get way better. So get tied on. I think we're supposed to see the first check come June. Awesome. And uh, we really look forward to that. And the, the, fun events right you open up on kentucky derby saturday so that's one of those days where people all around the country i think all around the world go to their local racetracks to watch the the derby and the undercard and play the races all day and then you'll have some actual live racing from louisiana i know there are going to be a bunch of food trucks out there face painting family events bounce house all sorts of stuff for the kids so it's going to be a big event on a opening day for sure you name it we're going to try to have it so this is the first time, I think, since uh, we'll say 2019 that Louisiana Downs is opening the doors uh, tenfold. We want anybody and everybody to come out. You know, we're still working on the the, the capital, the improvements around the track. Um, but that being said, uh, there's a great buzz in the air. So Saturday, opening day, we got a seven race card. Also have obviously the Kentucky Derby, but um, we'll have a number of um, games we'll have the bouncy houses kid loves loves those oh, um, yeah. face a number of food trucks uh where we actually just uh got in uh with a daiquiri company so we're gonna have daiquiris a louisiana uh tradition down here so um we got a lot going on and it's pretty exciting it's Last uh, I heard, we had pretty much about 95% of reservations filled. So it's exciting. Um, haven't seen uh, this this crowd in a while here uh, at the track. So we're looking forward to it. Now, as we sort of shift over and talk a little bit about the racing, it seems like there are going to be some of the top barns and some of the top jocks from the last few years back. We don't have to really dive in too much, but just looking from, you know, 
uh, last year and some of the, the real familiar names, Shane Wilson, Joe Foster, you're going to get Broberg and Asmussen with a, a lot of horses there. And then on the jock side, Joel Dominguez, Carlos Lozada, Emmanuel Nieves, they're all back. Gilligan's going to be a new face. Jack Gilligan, who's going to be winning a lot of races there. So some really, really top level jockeys, trainers, owners out there at Louisiana Downs this meet coming up. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a stocked backside. We have a number of great horsemen, outstanding jockeys. Um, Hall of Fame uh, jockey, actually, Calvin Burrell is going to join, uh, come back to his roots, if you will. So he's going to come this year and uh, looking forward to, you know, Shane Wilson hit the entry box uh, earlier opening week. Steve Asmussen, of course, has always uh, been loyal to the program, has, has, uh, Carl Broberg. So we don't lock on great horsemen here. And then Shane Wilson, what a gem he is. Um, I legitimately told him today, I said, you're probably one of the best guys I've met down here so far. So uh, really good uh, guys that we got that make up uh, our uh, backside here. So it's pretty exciting. And great to see the the success that Shane had last year and um, going to be back again with a, another big string with a lot of live runners. So those are some of the uh, the major connections. Let's talk about the uh, the dates and the schedule. So we're going to open up Louisiana Downs on Saturday, May the 7th, which is Kentucky Derby Day. And we're going to run Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And we've got a long, nice meet coming up all the way through the end of September. September the 27th will be in that four-day-a-week racing schedule and first post usually at 3.05 Central Time, correct? For sure, yes. 3.05 um, Central Time is going to be our kickoff uh, time every day. We're going to run every Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's an 84-day long meet. Uh, we end in, yeah, the end of September, September 27th. Got a couple of special days, so we for sure uh, – We'll have our Louisiana Bread uh, Program Day, that Cup Day, Louisiana Cup Day, excuse me, August 6th. And then we're still looking at September 10th to bring back the Super Derby. So that should be exciting in itself right there. Fingers crossed. There have been some awesome horses through the years in those races. And the Louisiana Bread Program is really good. There's some strong racing all around Louisiana. Now, uh, most racing days will have seven races on the card and some of the the folks out there just interested in the types of wagers, you know, you'll have your traditional win play show exact, the try supers, doubles, all that pick threes. And then there'll be the pick four, pick five and the pick six every day. Right. I think the pick four, the last four races. And then the, uh, the pick six is the jackpot. Yes. Yep. You, Uh you got nailed down, Gino. I like the fact that, you know, all of your, your wager statistics and all that good stuff. So good job. We are ready. We are ready to rock. And and one of my favorite things is you and I are recording this early in the week on Tuesday for, for handicappers out there. You guys get your entries out really early in advance, which makes it so nice. You, You get a couple extra days as we record on Tuesday, the sun, the Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, cards have already been drawn and and the entries are already all out and the Saturday Sunday cards were already finalized with morning line odds and everything so it was nice for me I already got Saturday done and in the books I'm working on Sunday now getting ahead so it makes my life a lot easier over there you guys are doing things pretty well for sure and we appreciate that you know we like to make sure we get all the information out and that way you know people can know what they're wagering on get their bets ready and uh 
decide if they want to come to the races or not and play those wagers or and all that good stuff. So we're excited to have everybody involved this year and uh, excited to bring fans back to the track, but also have them peek in wherever they're wagering and just see what we're doing here. Roxanne, I, uh, I'm really, really excited. Uh, as mentioned, there's great, uh, Great turf racing and dirt racing, too. So you get both surfaces. You'll get really competitive fields and lots of different wagering opportunities. I'm going to be checking in with you, and I'm I'm sure within a few weeks I'm, you're going to be annoyed by me, uh, by uh, by the back and forth. I'll always be checking in and making sure everything's going well, and uh, I'll do my best to uh, to push and promote everything Louisiana Downs racing. Is there anything else you'd, uh, you'd want to mention before we get out of here? Um, just that we're looking forward to having you, Gino, be a part of the team during the race meet here. And, uh, it's going to be a great, uh, a great, uh, experience here at Louisiana. So we look forward to making this a place to race, um, uh, during your summertime and fall. So it's going to be a big time and we're glad you're a part of it. Thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure going back and forth with you so far. And I'll be talking with you a lot more in the coming days. And then we'll get you back on here uh, again in the next few weeks. And we'll uh, we'll handicap a few races. And we'll keep checking in with you throughout the meet anytime there's uh, anything important or any news that you want to share. Okay, perfect. That was uh, Roxanne Tanner from over at Louisiana Downs. We'll check in again with her as we are coming up on opening day on Saturday. Don't go anywhere, folks. There's still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. Thank you to Roxanne for helping out. We'll have to bring her back throughout the meet. We'll be talking lots of Louisiana Downs opening day on Saturday. Major thanks to all of the Friday guests uh, who helped us out with the undercard for Churchill Downs. Barry Spears, Matt DeSantis, Ryan Dickey, Benny South Street, Ryan Flanders. We've got Chappie, Caitlin Free, and David Aragona. Also, Martha Clausen helping us talk about uh, Louisiana Downs and Roxanne Tanner. So, just as a little preview, if you're looking for a Kentucky Derby preview show, we've got one of those for you also, and we've got a bunch of guests to help us out with the Saturday graded stakes races. We'll have Angela Herman talking race number five, the Distaff Turf Mile. We'll have Jessica Paquette talking the Knicks Go Overnight Stakes. Ren Carruthers helps us out with the Pat Day Mile. We've got Sarah Elbadwi helping us with the Derby City Distaff. Chris Larmy gets the American Turf. Churchill Downs goes to Craig Milkowski, that uh, that sprint race, which is race number 10. And then the 11th, the Turf Classic, Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali help me out. We also get Oaks and Derby thoughts from all of them on the next episode of That's What G Said, our Kentucky Derby preview show. That'll be uh, coming up next. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Let's make some money on Oaks Day.